your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. We weren't going to play more than 60 games, no matter how um, the negotiation with the players went or any other factor. 60 games is the outside of the envelope, given the realities of the times. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario back in the studio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Ribs and BK is live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. Are we getting punked? <laughs> yeah, that really was Rob Manfred, I think. At least that's what, that was his voice. Guys, this might be the earliest that I've ever used this drop. You are one pathetic loser. I mean, guys. That was on the Dan Patrick show, by the way. Credit to Dan Patrick for that audio. Credit to Dan Patrick for uh, getting the truth, I guess. Well, we think it's the truth because Rob Manfred has a lot of different versions of the truth. But, guys, I got to ask you a question here. Didn't baseball offer more games at one point than 60 games? Yeah. Did they not? Like the owners, right? Their first three offers. (laughs) (laughs) They offered 82 games on March 26th. They offered 76 games on June 8th. They offered 72 games on June 12th. The league did not offer a 60-game season until June 17th. They then announced on June 19th. I went back through today because I was like, am I taking crazy pills or am I misremembering something? On June 19th. Rob Manfred came out and said, we will not play more than 60 games this season. (laughs) It was June 19th. We shut things down in (laughs) mid-March. So what the hell were we doing for two months? Remember, I remember vividly on this show with you, Jamie, we were talking about all the owners and the players, and we're going to meet in the middle. We're going to play 72 games, all these different things, right? So all of that was fake? (laughs) And if that is the case, and if you're Rob Manfred and you go on Dan Patrick's show and you say this, if you're Tony Clark and the players, aren't you saying, thank God we didn't agree to that agreement because now we can file that grievance? And how do you not win with this audio out there now in the public sphere, Jamie? Does anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) But that's the biggest thing for me is that 
this whole negotiating in good faith thing and these grievances and the legalities and all the stuff that both sides, BK, both sides have been so careful about because it's all been in the public, right? So when that happens, like there's recordings, whether it's just visual or whether it's audio or whether it's both, whatever it is, okay? The public already has all the evidence. So now to go ahead and admit this is Rob Manfred. All you're saying is, excuse me, your honor. Yeah, we were just kidding. We really never had any plan of playing the game and we knew it was going to end this way. So, yeah, I guess go ahead and hit us with that grievance. Like, come on. He doubled down, Jamie. He doubled down. Listen to this, because Dan Patrick didn't just stop at saying we were never going to play more than 60 games. He also said it would have been impossible to start the games before right now. Let's hear that audio real quick. Given that hard ending, what I said about the calendar before in the 60 games, if you look around the country, okay, there was no place or no possibility of us resuming operations either in home markets or in spring training facilities at a materially earlier time than than July 1. It just was not consistent with the public health Okay, let me ask you this. Have you guys ever seen the movie with Adam Sandler called 50 First Dates? Yes. Yep. Okay. So Great he, movie, by okay, the way. Okay, so the premise of the movie, for those who don't know, is he suffers from a memory loss disease or disorder where at the end of every day, when he wakes up the next morning, he forgets what happened the day before. The girlfriend did, yeah. The girlfriend did, that's right, yeah. And so... He goes ahead and starts making recordings for her so that they can watch it in the morning and she can remember what happened the day before. Rob Manfred is th- this decade's <laughs> 51st dates. Like, how does he not have a videographer with the MLB budget to follow him around? And then at every morning when he's having his coffee, when he's sitting there in his nice little den or whatever's going on, and say, hey, oh, by the way, Mr. Manfred, yeah, uh, here's the video of what you said yesterday, just in case you want to say something really, really dumb today. Did I hear that correctly, Jamie? Did he really suggest that now is the only only time when they could have possibly started going back to their home markets because of COVID. Now when it's as high as it's been since the initial peaks? BK, this guy, <laughs> what? this guy, I'm sorry, he's going to come out in a couple of months or just when they start on opening day, okay? And he might say, gotcha to everybody because he's just, this is a joke, right? Like this guy can't be serious that he comes out and Whatever he said last week, he says the opposite the next week. Whatever he says yesterday is different today. Whoever he talks to next month will be different than what he said on the Dan Patrick show. I don't get this guy. How does he have his job and he's this incompetent? It's to the point now, guys, where it's no, there's no like play. There's no shtick here with Rob Manfred. He is officially the worst commissioner in, in all of professional sports. I actually agree with that. I, I don't, I think he's in a tier on his own. I think he has no spine, okay? And hear me out. Here's here's what I see happening with Rob Manfred. 
is that every time his phone rings or every time he gets a text or an email, it's a different owner. And that different owner tells him something to do or what he's going to say. And he's so spineless that he just regurgitates whatever that owner said. So if you're the last owner that talked to Rob Manfred, <laughs> odds are his next interview, whatever you told him to say is going to come out. And th- I just think he's the ultimate puppet. He, that's the perfect word for it. That's what I was going to say. He's a puppet. He's a puppet for the owners. Now, here's the problem is he's also a bad representative for the owners because the owners want to look competent at all times. Oh, you can say whatever right you now. want. They want to look competent. <laughs> they look incompetent right now. They're about to lose potentially hundreds of millions of dollars in this grievance that I'm sure the players are going to file. Now, if they weren't before, after hearing these comments, oh it is malpractice if you're Tony Clark and you don't file a grievance oh, against yeah, yeah, the yeah. owners. 100%. So if I'm one of the owners and I'm watching what has taken place over the last three, four months, and we look back on all of this and we do a report and we say to ourselves, where did we go right? Where did we go wrong? Rob Manfred has to be done. He, he cannot return as commissioner of baseball. He, he's, he's not good at this. And I understand that he has made the owners a ton of money. And he is doing basically exactly what they want him to do. But you need a commissioner that will do some of the things that you don't want him to do because it is the best thing for your sport. And right now and for the last... Well, for a while, but certainly for the last three to four months, Rob Manfred has done none of that. For the success of Major League Baseball on both the player's side, the owner's side, and the person who's been forgotten the most in all this, the baseball fan, okay? For the purpose of all three things that I just mentioned, Rob Manfred has to go. Because not only does he not have the confidence from the player's side, which he never had, he doesn't have the confidence, obviously, from the owner's side because he just spits out whatever the last guy told him was. The fans have zero confidence in Rob Manfred, which means they have zero confidence in baseball. If that's the case, good luck selling your product. No matter how good your team is, no matter how much we love the Cardinals, ultimately we think, well, they're all being run by this puppet donkey here in the office who's just doing whatever. Rob Manfred has to go. They got to bring in somebody who's got uh, a little more of a both sides mentality, certainly working for the owners and certainly going to be acting in their best interest. But he's got to have a little more of a give back, even if it's just a, an act, even if he's just a Hollywood actor that says we care about the players. And, and maybe if he just remembered what he said the day before or the <laughs> week before, this could be an advantage. But for baseball success to come back in the next couple of years, especially since we know this CBA is headed for a massive car crash at the end of next I, season. I hate to say it, guys. He ain't going. Because of the reason that we say that well, he somebody's got to go, Alex. I want somebody fired. <laughs> Heads okay? have to roll. That's it. I'm <laughs> who, done with this. Who do we think Rob Manfred's fall guy is going to be? He doesn't have one. He's not that smart. Well, that's true. But I'm telling you, he's a puppet, and the owners have the hand so far up the rear end that they're not going to pull it out. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the three one four. And you're telling me I should give my time and money to Major League Baseball? Why? Bleeping clowns. I get the sentiment. Agreed. We'll talk about it further with Bill Shaken of the L.A. Times coming up Shake here in bacon, just baby. about 15 <laughs> minutes or so. It is 1114. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I'm going to power right through that one. No need to respond. Coming up next, it's 4th of July weekend, Jamie Rivers. We need to have a cookout draft. We'll do it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 
That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's do a cookout draft, shall we, boys? Oh, Let's baby. Do it. Baby. Fourth of July weekend. This is the weekend that all of us are going to be out on the grill. By the way, I was out on the grill last night. It I, was You know fantastic. what? Uh, okay, hang on. Anybody who follows the show, our listeners, uh, hopefully you're following us on Twitter at 101 ESPN. And Brandon Kylie, BK Sports Talk on Twitter, was put some pictures out there of him and the grill and all that. The only and pro- not any grill. Charcoal grill. Charcoal grill. But the only issue I have here, and Alex, you can you can correct me or join me on this one. It's up to you. But we actually never saw pictures of you on the grill actually cooking. I sent it to you. No, no, no. Yeah. You did not send me pictures of you grilling. There was you sent never... me pictures of you starting the grill and then the plate yeah. of the finished food. But oh, that's, that's like me taking a picture, like sitting in the cockpit of an airplane. Like I'm not flying the airplane. I just took a picture sitting in the seat. Exactly. We exactly. never saw tools in your hand of actually cooking the food. Well, we don't have time for this right now, but we'll get back to this. No, we're getting back, we'll get back to sure. this. Earmark that, Alex. I Write it, it down. Flipping okay. it. Fourth of July cookout draft. Yes. You get one main dish, one side, one type of drink, one location. It's going to be four rounds. I randomized the draft order. Sure. Right. <laughs> we actually went through an app here. It's a very complicated procedure. Jamie Rivers has the number one overall pick. Oh, Alex Ferrario is picking second. I'm picking third with a back-to-back. We'll snake it up here. Snake draft, baby. Four rounds, one main dish. You got ribs, chicken, etc. You got one side. You got one type of drink. So I'm not, you can't have Bud Light and then Budweiser and then Bud Slow. No. You get beer, you get liquor, you get soda, whatever. All right. And then one location, lake, backyard, whatever. Okay. All right, Jamie Rivers, with the number one overall pick in the 4th of July cookout draft, you are taking. I'm taking pork steaks. Whoa, Whoa baby. Off the board. Yeah. Oh, baby. Yeah. I know it's it may not be like the high-end item, but man, is it good. And man, is it good done right with the sauce and all that. But 4th of July for me is all about how much you have to clean up after you eat all over your face and your eyebrows and your hairline. <laughs> That, to me, is fun. So, yeah, Pork Steaks goes number one. Put the jersey on, Pork Steaks. All right. So, since Rivs took my pick that was going to be first overall. Really? Yeah. I was going Pork Steaks. I'm going to take beer. Oh, okay, jerk. I figure the meat's gone. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some drinks. We're gonna go with beer to start this bad boy off. I didn't even think about that. All right, I'm going back to back picks here. We've got pork steaks and beer off the board. My number three overall pick, first round pick, is going to be ribs. I'm taking my main dish off the board right now. We're gonna go ahead and get those smoked ribs. You're taking Jamie and- Rivers. <laughs> And number four overall, we're taking the lake. We're going to be out at the lake. Oh, wow. Nice. All right. And back on the board with his second overall pick, it is Alex Ferrario off the board in the first round for Alex was beer. Second round cookout edition draft. What you got, Alex? All right, I'm taking the pool because uh, you took the other meat. Ribs has got the meat already, so I'm going to go pool. So I have my beer and my my cool side to enjoy my barbecue at. God, you guys have taken my two favorite locations. I hate you both right now. Um, <laughs> all right, so I better. I got back to back here, so I have to think strategically. Better make it good. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I, I'm stuck with very few um, options as to location, so I guess we'll go backyard for the location. I mean, doesn't have to have a pool, so that qualifies, right, BK? Yep. Okay, and then for drink, drink, I'm gonna go with. Vodka. Oh, Ooh, 
Who's going the cocktails? Uh, well, look, you can mix it with anything, right? I've told you guys before. Capri Sun, Kool-Aid, Gatorade. <laughs> the options they are, are endless for that. So that's that's going to be my, my drink of choice. Ribs will find anything to mix with vodka. <laughs> Pretty much, And he yes. will make it work. All right, so far through three rounds, Jerry... Uh, Jamie Rivers has pork steaks, vodka, and he's eating it all in the backyard. Alex Ferrario's up next in the third round. He's got beer and at the pool so far. He needs a main dish and a side. So I need the main dish, boys. I'm going steaks. Ooh, that's a lot of work, Alex. It's all right. I like work. I got a pool. I got my beer. I'll I'll take the time to make sure that they're A+. Plus. Yeah. See, that's the thing that I mess up. Jamie, you always ask people, what's the number one thing you mess up on the grill? Mine's steaks. Really? I can do the chicken. You guys saw it last night. Well, I, I got the chicken down. Some chicken. Okay, you saw the Whatever. So Anyways. Keith's chicken. I'm yeah. good on the chicken. I, I mess up steaks every time. Every time. Undercooked, overcooked something. I mess okay. them up. I'm on the board with back-to-back picks to finish this thing out here. For the side, I'm between a couple. Neither of you guys have a side, so I get basically the number one pick. Yeah, on but you'll probably dishes. pick a bad one. We'll probably go salad or something. Or like kale. You guys are the worst. <laughs> His side's going to be watermelon. <laughs> Just the absolute Squash. Worst. Squash. Hey, uh, BK, he's going to pick with the first overall on the side. He's going to go spinach. <laughs> Actually, I like spinach. Oh, easy, Rivs. <laughs> For my side... We're going baked beans, barbecue baked beans. Ooh, okay. So what? You've got what ribs and baked beans? That's a pretty good combo. And he's got the leg combo right there. I'll give you that one. Yeah. And And for the drink, he's going to win this jerk. This is where things get tough because you took vodka. Mm -hmm. He's already got the beer. For my drink. Oh, this is a tough one, man. I already know what you should pick. Yeah. Talk about it all the time. You're like a newly found. What kind of drinker? I think we're going whiskey here. See? There it is. I think we're I mean, going whiskey here. Should, do I need to the hold your hand there's a lot of, If you win this draft, I should get half the bonus. I think the problem here is there's a lot of people that just don't like whiskey. There's a lot of people that will come over to the party yeah, and they'll say, well, has, I guess I'm having water today. Okay, no, but whiskey has flavors now. They've got apple. They've got all point. sorts of flavors. See, look at this. My gosh. I've I, I got to give him all the answers, Alex. I was My misinformed gosh. here. I thought whiskey and vodka would be like in the cocktail category. Oh, yeah. You know what? Maybe we should. Yeah, you know what, BK? Okay. I'm going soda. Screw you. I you was going to say, because otherwise I would have gone whiskey here. I'll go soda. All right. Alex Ferrario's back on the board. He's got uh, steaks, beer, and the pool. He needs a side dish. You know what, boys? I uh, I need something to uh, to add into the filling with steak and, a, and some beer, so I'm putting a potato salad in that bad boy. All right. Final okay. pick. Mitch. Is it me now? Yeah, that's you. Final okay. pick. Finishing us up. I got a side coming, right? So I'm going to stay with uh, the all-in mentality on what we're eating here. And I know you guys are big fans. We're going corn on the cob, oh, baby. God. <laughs> Get that oh, God. You just and ruined no the draft. knives allowed. No knives allowed. You got you to take that cob down old school. You just ruined the draft, Ribs. Are you kidding me? I've already got barbecue sauce all over my face from the pork ribs. I'm going to throw a little butter and salt in there, too. <laughs> all right. So we have our drafts complete. I will throw these up on Twitter at 101 ESPN. We'll make sure that we get you uh, a poll up to see who you guys think had the best draft. 
Text line always hot, especially here. What are they doing? 618. No white claw or wine cooler for BK. (laughs) (laughs) White claws aren't as bad as I expected. Uh, How did I know you were going to say that? I got to be honest. They're not that bad. The Bud Light seltzers are actually pretty solid. The white claws aren't bad. Listen, don't dog on anything right now because we still don't have a lot of sponsors on this show. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) And we'll take any alcohol we can get. All right, so the finished results. Jamie Rivers coming through with the pork steaks as a surprise number one overall pick. (laughs) He's got the corn on the cob. He's drinking vodka, and he's doing it all in the backyard. Alex Ferrario picking number two had steaks as his main dish. Potato salad, beer, and he's doing it all by the pool. And for my main dish, we've got some smoked ribs. We've got barbecue baked beans. We've got some soda. And we're doing it at the lake. You know what? I think BK won. I screwed this up. I screwed this up. You know how I screwed this up? When we went location? I know. No, no. I should have said Ryan O'Reilly's backyard. That's what I should have said. That's what I said. I should. Can I change that? You know where you messed up, Jamie? No, I have. You took your location in the third round after we both had our locations. I knew you guys. That is your last pick. No, I knew you guys weren't going to touch corn on the cob because you're both Sally's like that. (laughs) So I knew that was safe. I wasn't worried about it. Can I change it to Ryan O'Reilly's backyard? No. It's a backyard. No, you can't. No, you can't. Sorry. Because if I did that, I think that... No, I think you'd win. I th- yeah, that's not allowed. It's not allowed, I Jamie. actually think the rest of your uh, options could have been like, hey, we're going vegetarian. We're actually not yeah. even eating meat at this at this party. And everybody would have been like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, if you're going to change yours, Ribs, then I'm just going to, you know, have Pat Maroon in my pool drinking beer with me. Jamie could have gone tofu. Well, that might actually happen. <laughs> Very Jamie true. Jamie could have gone tofu. Oh, my God. With, like, Greek yogurt as his side and water as the drink. And put it all yeah. in Ryan O'Reilly's backyard yeah. would have won with 100% of the vote. Yep. O'Reilly eats some of that stuff, too. God, I would have actually just had Ryan O'Reilly serve without a shirt on. There we go. Even the guys would show up. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. The Major League Baseball commissioner made an ass of himself yesterday. We're going to ask Bill Shaken. He covers baseball for the L.A. Times. What he thought about the comments from Rob Manfred when he said it was always going to be a 60-game season. And we'll do that when Bill Shaken joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. That's former Blues star defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We are broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. And right now we are going out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Happy to be joined by Bill Shaken. He covers baseball for the LA Times. You can give him a follow on Twitter at his name, Bill Shaken. Bill, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, we're doing all right. So let's start with some, um, I will call them puzzling, comments from Rob Manford yesterday when he went on the Dan Patrick show and said, quote, the reality is we weren't going to play more than 60 games no matter how the negotiations with the players went. Bill, I know you know this because you've been covering these negotiations. Major League Baseball offered 82 games. They offered 76 games. And they offered 72 games in their first three proposals. What did you make of this comment from from Rob Manford yesterday. Well, in the same interview, he followed that up by saying, you know, we're playing 60 games in 63 days. That's about the most we can fit in. 
So the question is, was he referring to where they were left at the end of the negotiations when the players were saying, yeah, you gave us 60, but we'll settle for 70? Or was he talking about the whole course of the negotiations? And normally I'd say, okay, well, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all settled. We're going to try and play in three weeks. But one of the reasons the players did not agree to the final owner's proposal was that they think there's a chance of filing a grievance, of going to an arbitrator and saying, you know what, if the owners had negotiated in good faith, we would have been able to play a lot more games. We think the owners were stalling. They took weeks to get back to us with proposals. We got back to them the next day. That cost us games. And when you have an agreement that says the players get paid per game, that comes down to a lot of money. And most people have thought just the give and take of negotiations, clearly there were proposals made, as you mentioned, for longer seasons by the owners. So to say they were dead set on 60, there's no there there. But maybe after yesterday, there is a there there. And an arbitrator might decide one way or the other about that. All right, Bill. I'm. We talked about it a little earlier on our show before we got you on, which, by the way, thanks for joining us again. But Rob Manfred, um, look, every week it seems that something is brought up by Rob Manfred that is maybe not completely in line with what has been said before or certainly what has been put on the table. The public has seen this thing just get drug out into the media, and it's been ugly for, well, the entire process. Do you feel Rob Manfred is the guy that can rebound with this and save baseball after this as far as from a fan's perspective? Or do you think the owners may have to look in a different direction, not because they don't like Rob Manfred, but just because right now the his, his popularity amongst the baseball fan might be at an all-time low? The importance of Rob Manfred's popularity with baseball fans counts for nothing among the people who actually decide whether Rob Manfred keeps his job. Because I think a lot of fans understandably think, oh, this is the guy in charge of baseball, right? Ultimately, he should work for the fans to make the best game possible and make it popular and have people want to go see their local teams or watch them on TV. But actually, Rob is hired by the owners and he can be fired by the owners. And there's a guy a couple decades ago named Faye Vincent who actually took seriously the idea that he was sort of an independent voice above it all, looking out for the best interests of the game. And when he wasn't willing to take a hard enough stance against the players in labor talks, the owners fired him. So I don't sense that there's any discontent among the owners with Rob Manfred right now. And certainly given that Rob's specialty is labor negotiation, that's how he got into baseball in the first place as a lawyer. And there's a collective bargaining agreement about to expire and a need to renegotiate it. I would be beyond stunned if anything happened to Rob anytime soon. We're talking to Bill Shake, and you can find his work. He covers baseball for the L.A. Times. Follow him on Twitter, at Bill Shaken. So, Bill, let's talk about this baseball season because the Cardinals are opening up their camp tomorrow. Baseball as a whole officially started things off yesterday, technically. What are your expectations for what this is going to look like for the quality of the baseball? And how realistic is it that we're actually going to be able to see not just the start of the season, but the finish of this season? 
I think your last question is frankly the most important. Uh, everybody in baseball, both in the league office and in the players union, has done their very best job to sincerely put together a plan that can minimize risk. Now, remember the players early on, Clayton Kershaw and Mike Trout among them, said they didn't want any part of being in a bubble for months on end and being away from their family. So baseball took that off the table. Is that a better answer? Theoretically, you'd think so. But you know, look at Major League Soccer. They're in a bubble in Orlando, and they already have one team that showed up where I believe six guys tested positive. So... I don't know if even a bubble is a guarantee, but certainly the baseball players will be out in the community because they're going to go home after games if they're playing in St. Louis, as the Cardinals are, or they're going to go back to the hotel if they're on the road. And there's a big community and a big world in between both those places, and some guys will be more serious about it than others. But, you know, you've seen even the people that are most serious about it right now. There's no guarantee. You know, the, the Cubs coach yesterday that came out and talked about, I did everything right, wore my mask, stayed away from crowds, didn't go indoors except when I had to, still contracted the virus. And I think the question we're going to have to learn along the way, and I don't think there is a hard and fast answer at this point, what do you do when it's more than one person on a team? Because the infectious disease folks would have you quarantine everyone for 14 days. Well, if you knock out you know, an entire team for 14 days, that's... I mean, that's a fourth of the schedule almost. So I don't know if that's feasible. Do you take a team out of the league entirely? Do you call off the season? I just don't know, and I don't think anyone knows right now. Bill, I'm going to dive into uh, a little more of the baseball side of things here. And look, here in St. Louis, we believe that the Cardinals are set up pretty well to, for a 60-game season with the depth of pitching that they have and certainly their defensive game. They're set up pretty well to succeed, and their division's a little weaker than probably the other ones. Now, that being said, for you, in the National League, who do you see coming out of the in the National League Championship Series? And in the American League, do you have a favorite as well to try and do that over 60 games i think would wouldn't make a whole lot of sense because you know as everyone knows the nationals after 50 games last year were 19 and 31 and about to fire their manager and then they went off and won the world series and I've, the dodgers have won the national league west seven years in a row and a couple of years ago they were you know 30 and 30 after 60 games so I don't know. I think the one thing that will play out here, and we'll see it pretty quickly, is that the teams that are built around deep, dominant starting pitching, and the Nationals are really the most predominant of those teams with Scherzer and Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. Uh, they're built for guys to go six and seven innings. They're not any part of this you know, analytical give us five and get out of their thing. So they're going to be in trouble because the three-week spring training doesn't allow guys to build up to the point where they can go six or seven innings on opening day and maybe not for the first few times through the rotation. 
Uh, you're going to need deep starting pitching staffs, but more so just deep pitching staffs in general because you may need two or three starters to get through your first week of games. And there'll be 30-man rosters, so teams can adjust. But uh, I think the, the teams that are deeper in middle and long relief and deeper in say, you know, there's seven or eight man rotation candidates as opposed to just the top five. I think those teams will do the best. We're talking with Bill Shakin. He covers baseball for the LA Times. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Bill Shakin. It's interesting you mentioned that, Bill, because that's something we've been talking about with the Cardinals and their rotation. It's not just about the fact that they've got five quality starters. They go like 13, 14, 15 deep in terms of arms that you feel really comfortable with. Is that the, the type of a team that you think is set up well to succeed over this shortened season? Yeah, you're going to have to. You know, I think back to a story. In 1990, there was a brief lockout. Spring training was condensed to three weeks, and then they got the season running. And in that year, the Angels had signed Mark Langston to what was then the record-setting amount of $16 million over five years. So it's been a while. <laughs> but he went out for his first start as an angel, and everybody's like, got the hubbub, and this guy's great. He's going to save us, kind of like Garrett Cole this year with the Yankees. He was supposed to go four or five innings. That's all they had planned. He had a no-hitter going. So he went through the fifth. He went through the sixth. They let him go out for the seventh. He got out of the seventh. He still had a no-hitter, and he said, guys, I just cannot go anymore. My body is beyond tired. I'm not built up. He literally pulled himself out of a no-hitter. And I think those are the kinds of situations that you're you're going to see early in this season, assuming we get it going. And so, again, as you mentioned, the Cardinals and other teams that you know can run a guy out there for the fourth, fifth, and sixth inning that is going to be almost as good as the starter, they're the ones that are going to be most successful. All right, Shake and Bake. This is the last uh, last question from me here today. Going to have a little fun. Fourth uh, of July coming up. Uh, we had a little draft here earlier, and we picked uh, some items from the grill and, and some beers and things like that. For you on Fourth of July, what are the must-haves? So, if it's something that on the grill, maybe your favorite beer, maybe a favorite side. I always like to find out what people are thinking. Oh, that's a great one. you got to love the barbecued corn. I'm going to go for the corn. There you go. Okay, so perfect. Let, let me ask you this. My co-hosts with me, <laughs> oh, God. Okay, they they have a way of eating corn that uh, is different. Now, I eat corn on the cob. Traditionally, just, you know, hold it in my hands or at the little holders and eat corn on the cob. They like to take a knife and cut the corn off the cob. Bill, i got to know, are you an on-the-cob kind of guy or a cut-it-off kind of guy? Uh, I, I've never seen the knife strategy used before. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Bill, it is effective. <laughs> it, it makes things much easier. You can just eat it with a fork. How you is don't it get easier? everything stuck in your mouth. You're in your standing teeth there the next time. to people and you've got to have a plate and a knife and cut it. I've told you before, Jamie, this is only when you're doing it at home. Uh, you don't go to a party and do this. It's that means they're not confident in it, Bill. <laughs> You know, it's all about results, right? Just like baseball. So whatever gets that lovely barbecued corn in your mouth, however you get there, it's all good. That's what I'm talking about. He's Bill Shaking. <laughs> you can find his work, and you should read it. It's in the L.A. Times. You can also give him a follow on Twitter, at Bill Shaken. Bill, we always appreciate the time, man. Happy 4th to you and your family, and hopefully we'll talk again soon about some real baseball on the field. 
All right, take care. You got it. That's Bill Shaken joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. All I heard there is that he agrees with me. No. That's all I heard. All I heard there is a really political answer to where he agrees with both of us because however we want it is the best way. 65780 is their comfort service text line for questions and answers. Plus, I've got an update on the Cubs. It ain't great for them. They've already got a pitcher that's going down for a couple of weeks. We'll tell you about it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. That's former Blues star defenseman Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs in BK on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line to get your questions in for questions and answers. But let's start with an update from the Cubs. Jamie Rivers, left-hander Jose Quintana. Not a great week for him. He cut his left thumb while he was washing dishes at his Miami home on Saturday. He underwent surgery, which included five stitches and a repaired nerve. He's expected to resume throwing in about two weeks. Hmm. Well, two weeks isn't all that bad. Now, it's the effects of that, how, what that will look like once he starts pitching and how long it'll take him to get into his control zone. He'll start the season on the IL. Yeah. I'll be surprised if he's on their opening day roster given this. So two takeaways on this for me is, one, I'm glad he's not seriously, seriously injured and that he didn't, like, lose his thumb or something like that, and I'm, I'm happy that he'll be able to come back. But two, screw him. He plays for the Cubs, all right? He's not seriously injured. Anytime we can throw some dirt on the Cubs, I'm all for it. And the Cubs have a pitching issue. Yeah. Their pitching is not deep like the Cardinals. We were just talking to Bill Shaken. Shaken Bacon just told us that deep pitching is going to be the key to success this year. And guess who has that? Um, do they have two birds on a bat? Yes. Yes. Sweet. The St. Louis Cardinals have that. The Chicago Cubs, meanwhile, do not. And they can't. Listen, Jose Quintana has not been what they expected him to be since he's came over to the Cubs from the other side of town. But he is a quality pitcher nonetheless, and they can't afford to lose quality pitchers right now. So this is a big hit for them. Uh, it could be potentially an issue for him. All right, Jamie. 65780 is their comfort service text line for questions and answers. Did, did, you, did you see the lunches that? That the MLS is giving its players. Yeah, apparently they don't have the same program as the NBA is going to have. Look at that thing. That looks like a sandwich that I made like when I was 22 and I came home. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning. I had been overserved and I just wanted to eat something and whatever was available, I threw it together and it ended up looking just like that. They charged them $65 for that sandwich. Is this a, is that Disney? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly. insane. How do you go there twice a year? Well, they, they don't typically charge $65 well, for a sandwich. Like ribs. Otherwise, I wouldn't. Ribs, BK has a timeshare in Disney. He's got the money oh, to do Scott. that. This guy's farting hundreds. This looks like the fire Festival. <laughs> like, this thing looks like they were sold a bag of goods. They went to an island and there were actually no places to stay. White domes on the sand. <laughs> Luxury accommodation. I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. Um, hopefully, the NHL has a better plan for their food than what MLS oh my God. does. That will, it will, listen, it will look nothing like that. And I don't know. I have nothing against MLS. And maybe this has nothing to do with MLS. Maybe it's a independent provider that this is what happened. And, you know, for the rest of their time there, this won't happen again. 
But yeah, the NHL won't be dealing with that. We know the NBA won't be dealing with that. Uh, I feel bad for the soccer guys having to get that, whatever that was. Looks like that sandwich got drugged behind a Buick before they got it. <laughs> Six five seven eight zero is their comfort service tax line. Jamie, this one comes from the 314. Rivs, did you have greater success today in reviewing a baseball guy than you did yesterday? Oh, my God. Shaking bacon here. Bill Shakey was amazing today. And look at BK and Alex. Yes, my witnesses. I've never had a problem with baseball guys. We got Bob Nightingale. Maybe not the most energetic guy ever. Bobby Boogie. I like him. He's full of energy. Or he's full of information. Does a great job. Big Saxy. We love Big Saxy. We honestly have fantastic guests. And Keith Law wasn't a horrible guest per se. He just... Uh, he just yeah. pissed you off yesterday. He just pissed me off and probably won't be invited for any beers anytime soon. But yes, much better success today. Thank you for caring, though, text line. Jamie, very rarely. Like, it, when when we have a discussion that sounds like it's getting heated between me and Jamie, we will... I'm not kidding when I say we'll go into break, give each other, like, a quick, quick look. Previously, a high five, maybe. Now, social distancing. Pointing at each other, giving each other the thumbs up. He's pumped about it. And then we go into the next segment, and he's, like, fired up. <laughs> that one affected you yesterday. I it got you down in a way that I wasn't anticipating. I wanted to air choke him is what I wanted to do. Because, you know, we don't want physical violence. Absolutely. Right? We're in the, the social distancing era. Yeah, we're not into that. I just, um, I don't think Mr. Law and myself view things the same. One, I view things from the professional athlete's standpoint. And two, he tells me I don't know what that standpoint is. And he views it as a professional athlete, which he never was. So, yeah, it was a bad mix. <laughs> 65780 is their comfort service tax line. This one comes from the 618. Hey, Jamie, just a friendly reminder, BK still needs to let us know about his barbecuing last night. All right. Well, oh, that's right. Alex, where were you on that one? I don't understand. Uh, text line's the... got me on that. Okay. I don't understand what the concern is. Okay, here. to update, to recap, reset, all these fancy radio words that I've learned since uh, coming in here to work. It, what happened is BK has, well, never been allowed to go near his future father-in-law's grill, to which BK lives in the basement. And Keith, who is the grill master, has always just kept him at bay, almost with like an invisible fence around the grill. And so... But there's my, a real fence now. <laughs> there's a real fence. Yeah. It's brick, too. Now, last night, BK sent us pictures of the smoker and the charcoal and everything going. It was all set up. It was amazing. And then he sent us pictures of the finished product and thumbs up from BK. But the one thing that we did not see is an actual picture of BK on the grill. So it could have been Kara. It could have been Keith. It could have been anybody except BK. You know, it's problematic for me. You know, you know what the picture looked like to me, Rivs, when I first saw it? it? It looked like Keith had flipped a burger or chicken and what they were grilling. He stepped inside to get a drink or to go to the restroom, and BK ran over to the open <laughs> grill and said, ooh, real quick, got to take this picture. Took the picture, photobombed the grill, and then sent it out like he was grilling. I specifically sent you at every level of what I was cooking. Except for the actual yeah. cooking. There were and no I tools in hand. I, I, think, I don't know. I can't remember if it was. 
was in our text chain or if it was on Twitter. I said, how? How nice of Keith to let you start the grill for him. Yeah, that was on the text chain. That's the hardest part, though. Getting the grill started, everything else from there is smooth smooth sailing. what Keith does on a nightly basis is just easy? That's not what I said. (laughs) Well, that's what I got out of it. I heard that Keith has it easy. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Until I see video or pictures that prove that you're actually cooking on Keith's grill. That's my grill now. Oh, Oh, boy. Oh, wow. You you saw the gift that I sent from... Yeah, I'm the captain now. He commandeered that girl, or at least he thought he did. Keith must be on vacation today, or the radio's broken at home. One of the two. Keith's listening. He knows. Yeah, he knows. Yikes. He knows. Wow. Keith, send us a text, 65780. It's going to be a nice long weekend to find another house to live in. (laughs) 65780 is the air comfort service text line from the 636. BK, do you actually consider these guys your friends? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right? Come on. BK, if Keith... Keith kicks you out. I got a big basement you could come move into and empty boxes for me. Yeah, these are my guys. Yeah. Listen, we, we bust each other's you-know-whats all the time, uh, but these are my guys. I love these guys. You got to keep And they your, love me, too, I think. We love you to death. You <laughs> yes, we do. Your, you got to keep your best buds in check, right? Amen. That's, that's what our job is. Because other, other people who don't love you, well, they don't care. They'll just let you do whatever. That's why the tax line, I know they love me so they much. Do. Because every day they, they try to keep me grounded. Oh, so much love on the text line. That's, That's what it is, right? The best Bursting thing about the text the line. So much love. <laughs> I mean, every time that I go to the text line, I'm like, God, I, I'm so glad that you guys love me as much as you do. You can actually hear the loving thoughts that the texters have as they're typing out their texts to us. Okay, so another challenge, Alex. What? Oh, another one. Another challenge. The text line helped me out a little bit with this one, okay? But this is our... We'll call it our 4th of July challenge. Oh, boy. And the challenge is that we have to get video proof that BK gets on the grill at home and cooks food for Keith. He has got to make the food for Keith. Keith is not allowed to help. So BK has to be in charge of making dinner for whoever's at the house on Keith's grill. And then Keith is not allowed to touch it except for when it's time to eat it. And when Keith tries to touch it, BK, you got to slap his hand out of the way. Oh, oh wow. boy. Or serve everybody except Keith. Yes. No. Keith gets served last. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. That's not Okay, happening. all right, all right. That's not happening. I am certainly not slapping that man's well, hand. I didn't that is do a that. grown man. That was Alex. I didn't say that. No, Come okay. on, no, the challenge no, 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 no. is. The challenge is that you have to, like, walk in like it's your, your home, which it's not, clearly, and get on the grill and cook and then like Keith has to sit there and watch you use his grill and cook his food and then you serve. Instead of slapping the hand can we at least have BK tell Keith that this is my grill now? Oh my gosh. We have like a dozen people right now impersonating Kara's father. (laughs) Everybody is texting in saying it's Keith (laughs) and in their message as Keith. That's amazing. Unbelievable. BK do we accept the challenge? Yeah let's not avoid the question here. Yeah, I'll, co- I'll, I'll cook for Keith All this right. weekend. No. Yes! I'll cook for Keith this weekend. Yeah. I'll decide what I want to do, but I'll cook for Keith. You tell right. him that's your grill. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. I'm pretty sure I just did that. I'm sure I'm going to re- be reprimanded for that whenever I get You're home. You're going to have your bags packed, let's be honest. Speaking of being reprimanded, Tom Brady, he really wants one of his former teammates to come down to Tampa with him. His GM and coach don't seem to want that to happen. Who's going to win out on this one? We'll discuss it next on 101 ESPN. We're back.
back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa, now that New England got Cam, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa made another move. Antonio Brown. You know, you're like Sherlock Holmes with that with that. No. <laughs> you think Antonio Brown's going down to Tampa because that conversation started early and Bruce was like, no, no, not for me, dog. I'm thinking there's they're chipping away. You know how Andy used to chip away at the wall at Shawshank? You know, chip, 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 you know? <laughs> I think there's some chipping going on down there. There you go. Yep, I think there's some chipping going on down there. That's former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. That was Michael Lombardi the other day <laughs> on Pat McAfee's radio show. Michael Lombardi, the former executive within the New England Patriots. He certainly knows Tom Brady well. He knows, probably has a little bit of insight as to who he wants down in, in Tampa Bay. There's been some conflicting reports on this, Jamie Rivers. Because there was another report after Michael Lombardi said this that, nope, Bucks are not interested in Antonio Brown. And I think we know exactly where these reports are coming from. Tom Brady, in my opinion, wants A.B. on the on the Bucks. Uh-huh. He's looking out at his receivers right now. He's like, I love Chris Godwin. I love Mike Evans. I'd like to have another superstar guy on the outside catching passes for me next year. And I only got a little bit of a taste of it with Antonio Brown a year ago with the Patriots. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Meanwhile, the Bucks, the coaching staff in the front office has said from day one, nope, not interested in having Antonio Brown in our locker room. I think this is a battle of the player versus the front office and the coaching staff. And I'm going to be fascinated to see how this plays out, because in the end, if I had to guess, I think the player is going to win out here because that player is not just any player. It's Tom Brady. And they gave him everything to make sure that he came down to the Bucks to be able to change the course of that franchise's history. If it's true that Tom Brady really wants Antonio Brown to be part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's going to get him. Okay? That's just the bottom line. Bruce Arians and the rest of the management and upper management with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they will get sold on this. Okay? Because Tom Brady will say, hey, let's just have him in for a workout. And you know as well as I do, the guy is a physical specimen. He's one of the greatest receivers in the game. He's able to do a lot of things. And when you see that live and you see Tom Brady have a comfort level with this guy, so much so that even though it was short-lived, They had good chemistry in New England, and they were living together in New England, and you know they've stayed in contact. So that's going to be important here. Now, the sidebar to all this, do the Buccaneers want the media backlash slash sideshow to come down to Tampa? Some would think automatically no. I think differently. One, I don't approve of anything Antonio Brown allegedly did. If all that is true in a court of law and all that stuff, yeah, he's a, he's a scumbag, okay? He definitely is not a great individual. But we've learned over the course of time that sports sometimes ignores the individual and looks at the talent. And if that's the case, Tampa Bay Buccaneers will become very much discussed in the media. They'll become very relevant. So not only do they have Tom Brady, now they have Rob Gronkowski, mm-hmm. who's a massive personality. Now they have Antonio Brown, the bad boy of football right now. And I don't mean in a positive way. Like he's got a lot of things going against him. What a what a way to reclaim someone's career just, at the same time. For, for me, guys, this is hard for me to see happening. One, because of the, the, the background noise that Antonio Brown brings, brings, but also... But what did he bring in New England? But how, how, the how ha- much did you hear from him in New England? 
He's only there for like two yeah, weeks. Yeah, I know, but for a week it, or so. was, it was zip your lips, right? Now, I know that's Bill Belichick, but Tom Brady, you know he's going to have that conversation with him saying, listen, dude, I stuck my neck out here for you a little bit. You're going to eat right, sleep right, say your prayers, go to bed, and we're done. Okay, but but uh, with the on-field situation, how is that going to work when you got a guy with as big of a personality as you do in Antonio Brown, and then you're going to try and insert him into a situation with already Chris Godwin, who's stirring up with because of the number 12, Mike Evans, who of course is in the media, it seems to be during the season an awful lot, and then you're going to throw in an Antonio Brown circus as well? Like, that just seems like a nightmare waiting to happen. It's a lot of mouths to feed. And you've got Rob Gronkowski, oh, by the way, and they've got former first-round tight end O.J. Howard. Right. They've got to find a lot of guys that they're going to target mm-hmm. this season. It's going to be tough, but that's why Tom Brady is Tom Brady. His job is to make sure that all those guys are happy because they're winning. It's not about the targets on a game-to-game basis. Yeah. It's about let's go win a Super Bowl together. They've got a solid defense. They've got Tom Brady now, and that's what they're trying to build towards. His only goal this year, it's, it hasn't been about numbers for Tom Brady in a decade. It's all about what do I need to do to get to the Super Bowl and then to win that mm-hmm. one individual game. And so he would try to implement that within these guys and say to them, hey, this is what it's all about for you. And will he be able to do that with Antonio Brown? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but I know he wants to. And so it's then going to come down to whether or not he can convince the Bucks that that's the best move for them, because I think he is all in on the idea of having Antonio Brown as his teammate again. The only way it works, guys, is that Tom Brady, uh, personal conversation with Antonio Brown, tells him, listen, we're going to try the same thing as we did in New England, where you're going to have a contract that allows you to be a part of the team. You make some pretty good money, a lot of incentives, but if there's any stuff off field or behavioral problems unbecoming of a professional football player you're released man there's no guaranteed money there's no extra bonus there's nothing you're off on your own and this is the only way it's going to work Antonio so take it or leave it if you feel comfortable with the off field stuff and I don't know enough about the inner workings of those situations to say yes I'm kind of lost on where it's all at now he's had a couple of them that have been resolved and whatnot but you don't hear about that some of it's been dropped some of it's stuff that we'll we'll find out more about, I'm sure, down the road. And we don't know what the suspension could potentially look like. For him. There's so much that we don't know. But the team should know all, all of that or at least a lot of that. Mm-hmm. If they feel comfortable with it, I'd probably sign him. I would. Oh. And the reason why I would is because I want Tom Brady to be as happy as possible and I want him to have as many weapons as possible because that's why he came down to Tampa Bay. I was reading this yesterday, Jamie, about Tom Brady, and he apparently texted his quarterback coach whenever Rob Gronkowski was traded to the Bucks, saying football is fun again. Football is fun again. Those Why? four words is, for is Tom Gronk Brady. Fun? Well, he's fun. <laughs> Throwing to Mike Evans is fun. Throwing to Chris Godwin is fun. Being in an offense that's going to be really creative with Bruce Arians at the helm is really fun. And not having a guy that every day is going to berate you the way that Bill Belichick does is fun. And so we'll see if it has the same success that they did in New England. But... For that reason, because of why I think it is that Tom Brady came down to Tampa Bay, I'd probably be incentivized to go ahead and sign him, even though I think he's a little bit of a schmuck. If you don't have a financial, a huge financial obligation, uh, if you cut him, 
then why not? Why not? I mean, you're looking at that, the offensive coordinator, you know he's going to walk into Bruce and go, hey, Bruce, say, uh, not for nothing here, but uh, this guy's pretty good. Like, you know, he's going to, what's going to happen is you're going to have other entities in this conversation that start to walk in and pull for, you know, signing Antonio Brown. Heck, you might even get a defensive coordinator that says, hey, you know what, um, our defense looks a lot better when we put lots of points on the board. So you may want to think about this, Bruce. Hey, have a good 4th of July, by the way, Bruce. Take care. <laughs> for a six-year period before he was whatever happened last year, he was at least 1,250 yards every year, at least 100 receptions every year, and at least eight touchdowns every year. Antonio Brown had one of the best six-year stretches we've mm-hmm. ever seen in the history of football by a wide receiver. Full stop. He's amazing. He's unbelievable when you get him on the field and his mind is right. Is his mind right right now? We don't know. But I know I've proof. He definitely does. And he also has been working out. We've seen all of these videos posted on Mm -hmm. Twitter and on Instagram. He's been with Russell Wilson. He's been with uh, Lamar. We've we've seen him all over the place with a bunch of different quarterbacks basically showing that he is in shape and ready to go and just wants to play football again. If he's going to play football this year, I think the most likely spot for him is Tampa Bay. One thing you got to remember, too, here is Antonio Brown, he's always been the center of attention. I don't mean like with his antics, but he draws double coverage, double coverage, double coverage. Teams play him the right way. They have a defensive package for Antonio Brown. Well, guess what? Tom Brady has a few other weapons available to him. The most important one, in my opinion, is Gronkowski. Because Gronk now is able to be that check two receiver. If Antonio Brown is your check one, Gronk's your check two, and if he's double covered, boom, Gronk's getting it. We're getting seven, eight, nine yards every time. You're going to have to check down on Gronk as a defense, which means Antonio Brown is going to get some routes that are where he's available, and that's going to make it successful. So I think that's the way it works. There's just, I mean, when you have that many options, you, you can't double team everybody. Exactly. Chris Godwin's going to come open across the middle. Mike Evans is going to come open over the top. Antonio Brown's going to be open in, in the intermediate range. And Rob Gronkowski, when the games matter, I don't know how much he's going to be used in the regular season, but when the games matter, you know Tom Brady trusts him. When so, a, you need a first down, and it's third down, you need a, or fourth down, and you need that five yards or six yards, you know Gronk's coming in the game. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's twelve seventeen. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. He's the best. Joey Vitale going to join us next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. Speaking of ice, let's talk to our hockey insider, our Blues analyst, Joey Vitale, joins us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joey, how's it going, my friend? Boys, boys, it's going good. Getting excited about hockey again. So excited. I was at the gym this morning. Whoa, Hey, hey, hey. And so I haven't, I've been strictly arms, uh, buys for the guys kind of ever since I retired. But I decided I saw a little squat rack. I'm like, you know what? This cat's still got it. High up on the squat rack. I throw a couple 45 pound plates on. Not going to lie to your ribs. I am sore. Have you squatted since you retired from the game? Yeah, only to poop, Joey. Only to poop. <laughs> 
Hey, I'm not going to be able to do that for the next few days, yeah. I tell you that. Have fun touching butt to seat for the next couple of days, dude. Oh, I Jeez. tell you, I, I thought I still had it in me, but my Why dad, would you do that to yourself, though? Seriously, that's the one thing that when I retired, well, one, I was like, I'm allergic to the gym now because I've worked out so much in my life, I want to get away from it. Then when I ballooned up, I was like, ah, I may want to reintroduce myself a little bit, but never, ever have I thought to myself, God, I can't wait to get back on that squat rack. What's wrong you know, with you? It's, it's been about five years or so now, so I thought it kind of get the itch. And the other thing I was thinking, you know, depending on what these rules look like for this quarantine bubble, if a player tests <laughs> positive, he needs to sit down. We may be seeing a lot of cases. These GMs may be looking to sign some people. You know what, Joey? That's a good point by you. I've been on the ice every day. I've been working out. I've shed about 30-some pounds, and I had a little skate last night with the alumni guys. I'm not going to lie. I was wheeling and dealing out there, looking pretty smooth. So hopefully Army has uh, in-house cameras, caught a little glimpse of it. And like you said, Joey, maybe maybe you and I are in the bubble, and, and we got to come out of the bullpen like Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn. Hey, man, we've seen him with the goalies the last couple seasons. The third-string goaltender coming in, saving the day. I, I don't see why they can't have a radio guy or a broadcaster come in and, and fill, fill a role. Maybe play six, seven minutes and, uh, you know, get their bumps, chip a couple pucks in, and uh, pitter-patter, let's get at her. I wonder how low they would have to get on that list, how many people would have to get hurt before I would get a call, Jamie. I feel before like you would get the call. thousands of calls. Wow, thousands, maybe, hundreds. Yeah. In, the in the city of St. Louis, how yeah. many? What's the population of St. Louis? About a million, million and a half. I two million, think so. Right? I have no idea. Yeah, that, no idea. probably at least that many before <laughs> you, BK. <laughs> Joey Vitale joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Joey, what's your what's your plan this weekend, man? It's Fourth of July. What's what's the Vitale household look like for a Fourth of July celebration during a pandemic? <laughs> Well, I tell you what, man, it's going to be great. Uh, I live in Kirkwood, and anyone in the Kirkwood area, there's like a uh, neighborhood parade that kind of runs through some of the streets, kind of downtown, and we do it every year. It looks like it's going to still be on with social distancing and masks, which is so awesome. It's a popsicle parade where the kids can go on bikes and rollerblades, the one big square block, and at the end, this house provides all these popsicles, which is awesome, and it's actually my favorite picture of the year, actually my favorite moment moment of the year when the kids get back after the run and the bike ride or the rollerblade, they get their popsicles, they're sweaty, their cheeks are red, they're full of popsicle juice, sticky everywhere. It's such a chaotic moment. Uh, as a father, I just really just kind of soak it all in and really enjoy it. So I think we're going to do that on Saturday. The weather looks very promising. My sister's getting married tomorrow. Oh, hey, tomorrow. What idiot. What a loser, right? What yeah. is going on? That poor oh, guy. Going into that family with the Vitalis? Oh, my goodness. Brutsky. That's what I said to him. Um, so they're getting married down at St. Ambrose. So they're going to do that. And we're going to have a little reception tomorrow night at my folks' house with just the immediate family. She was supposed to get married in Hawaii. So we had to kind of reverse the plans a little bit. But she's handling it like a champ. So aside from that, boys, just a lot of popsicles, maybe a couple brouhaha's. I'm really into these hard seltzers. I know it's a little girly, but these Trulia's oh and these my God. White Claws. Just, I'm you telling just, you. 
made BK's day. He Is there literally, better than you expect. He almost hit his head off the roof. He jumped so high, so Joey, happy that his idol, Joey Vitale, <laughs> just, just friggin' did that. Have you tried the Bud Light one yet, Joey? No, no. I'm kind of stuck on these White Claws right now. They oh got like 18,000 different flavors. I'm yeah, just my excited. daughter loves those too, Joey. Hey, relax, Rick. What I'm happened? What? Where am I? I'm telling you, you'd be surprised. The Bud Light ones, I, I would highly recommend, Joey. I, I like the White Claws as well. The, the Bud Light ones are pretty tasty, though. Okay, and it's so, St. Louis. Okay, let me ask you guys this, okay? Because I, I, obviously, I, I think it's no secret I'm not a big fan. But I'm also not a big fan because I really haven't tried it, okay? But the carbonation in these things, like... How does that work? I don't I even like, drink soda. I think I, like out of two or three, guy. I'd be ready to like just burst. You know? You know, it's it kind of it's it's fizzy without a question. I don't know how you feel about it. BK. It's fizzy going down, but I, I don't have to ever burp anything up. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the alcohol or the way it's kind of. I'm not really sure. Again, it's a refreshing Are you doing drink. A lot of farting though. <laughs> no, no. You can ask okay. my wife. No, no Dutch okay. oven uh, lately. I swear. <laughs> I swear by it. All right. They're tasty. I might have to try one. What do you guys recommend? What's your favorite flavor? I like the black cherry one. Okay. Joey? Bla- black cherry solid. Uh, I'm I'm actually kind of really into the passion fruit. Right? I shouldn't have said that. I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> goodness. I'm going to relocate my, no, my um, after this one. You are one we're adding pathetic <laughs> loser. We're going to add that to your intro from now on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. All right, Joey. So last week you came on here and you broke a little news to all of us. You said, I'm not thinking this is going to be Vegas. I think Vegas might be out. I think we might be looking at two Canadian cities. And I'll be damned, you actually had some good information here, Joey. And we are going to two Canadian cities with Edmonton and Toronto hosting the NHL restart here and into the postseason. What's your expectations for this? What, are you excited? Do you think they made the right move? Whoa, 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 BK, hold on, back up for a second here. You you act so surprised that I had some decent knowledge. Oh, it was really good. Joey? It was really good. I deal with this every day. I mean, yeah, I know we're old beat-up hockey players, but we still got <laughs> brains that check up there. Who do you think yeah, we are? Just some... <laughs> You think we're just rambling on the air? Listen, buddy, I I, uh, I know people. I know people that know people too. Um, no, to be fair, I um, it, I was kind of sitting on this for a while. I talked to a bunch of players. Nothing was official, but a lot of the guys I talked to around the league, they kept saying the same thing. I, I know the media keeps talking business, but are they are they have they gone mental? Have they not seen the numbers in Nevada? Have they not seen the numbers in the states? And I think they fell on Edmonton and Toronto, but. Strictly by default, guys, honestly, I think they would love to make it work with a Canadian city and a USA city, but the safety is going to be just paramount, and everyone knew that. You couldn't go um, to a flashy city like Vegas, the numbers were high, and, and, and just turn this whole thing around. It just didn't make sense to go to any place where there was going to be a threat. So Edmonton, Toronto, I knew I kind of have a good feeling that if you go north to our good friends up top after a great Canadian day, how about that Canadian day, huh? That's a one way to celebrate it, and oh, um, we, yes. we, we kind of knew it. So yeah, uh, proud of those Canadians. Thank you for uh, doing all you do up there. And, and another thing, guys, heard this through um, the grapevine because I called the last one pretty good a little humble brag for me <laughs> but the other thing another thing uh, I've heard from the players uh, folks as we kind of are a little bit up and down is this going to happen is it not going to happen 
to me, guys, it, it feels as if I know we're very close to striking the deal as far as the date and all the details of CBA. We should hear something pretty soon. But as far as the tournament actually happening, I have heard that the only thing that will really shut this thing down is if the government gets involved. And now we know it's going to be in Canada. So while you're looking at uh, who's the prime minister up there, Justin Trudeau or Trubu or no. yeah, Justin Trudeau. Trudeau. I, from what I understand, um, Trudeau. If he, if the government and Trudeau stays out, there's really that's the only thing that would prevent this thing from happening. So we'll see. I was right about the last one. I have you were about this one too. Now the one thing I will say about this and the Canadian government and everything, we're not going to dive into politics. Trust me, I don't know enough about it, but I do know that the Canadian dollar is worth far less than the U.S. dollar. So if yeah. Justin Trudeau, who's made a few missteps along the way here, and a lot of the population have called him out on it, I think one great way to get back in the good books is to bring some National Hockey League teams to Canadian cities and spend a lot of money and throw a little bit back in the economy. So I think that might push them to make sure this happens. Yeah, I agree with you 200% Riz. And I think to, I think from a climate standpoint, I think the players are actually excited about this. I know, again, Vegas seemed pretty cool, but let's not forget Vegas right now. It's, I don't know, 100, 120 degrees and I know they're taking temperatures every day. You're worried about I know, players for like, well, if not from a little bike ride, am I allowed to come in the ring? So that was also another concern. So uh, the weather up there, both two beautiful Canadian cities. I think the players are excited about it. Plenty of stuff to do around those cities. You got the Lake Louise, you got golf everywhere. So as from a family standpoint, I think it should be all set. Uh, a couple little minor details to uh, cross the T and dot the lowercase J's here, boys, and we'll be off and running. Joey, final question that I have for you here. Are, are you confident that the Blues have plenty of time to be able to get things going and revved up before we get into the end of July? I mean, we're, we're about three weeks away from them getting up into these hub cities and getting going with hockey again. Are you confident that they're going to have plenty of time to do so. I do. I do, guys. I was at uh, Centene, I think, a week and a half ago now, and I kind of was just kind of walking around. My son had a little thing out there, and um, the Blues were skating. It was a small group out there, and I'm telling you, these boys were hauling it. They were bagging themselves, and I think that they realized and they recognized that a big X factor in this tournament is going to be conditioning. I think the best conditioned team is going to prevail, uh, assuming no big injuries. So uh, with the Blues right now, from what I saw, I think conditioning is going to be um, at a very top priority for this team. Another thing to consider, I know with players testing positive, uh, if there's going to be a two-week quarantine for those players, uh, you got to look at the aspect of the St. Louis Blues and what made them so successful last year, next man up mentality. I mean, they were so good about that throughout the entire stretch, and especially in playoffs. The next guy up not only did well, but performed at a very top level on a top line. So if the Blues run into some trouble, where they have maybe a player or two test positive in the first round, second round, and they got to sit out for two weeks. If that's how they decide to mandate it, uh, the Blues, to me, have a great advantage in the fact that every player knows the system of Craig Berube and can step up and fill in any role uh, that is needed by his team. He's Joey Passion Fruit Seltzer Vitale. He joins us each and every week right here on 101 ESPN Ribs and BK. Joey, you're the absolute best, my friend. We'll talk with you again next week. Uh, happy fourth to you and your family, and a huge congratulations to your sister. Hey, thanks so much, boys. You guys have a great fourth. Be safe, and I will talk to you next week. You got it. That's Joey Vitale joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Another ally on Seltzer Island over here with me. Yeah, look, you guys have got me intrigued. Uh, do I think I'll actually, like, drink an entire seltzer? To be determined.
But I do know that they are in my home, and I'll probably go grab one and do the taste test. I'll update everybody on it, maybe even a little video on it so they get true reaction to it. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's going to have to be one heck of a sales job by the taste of that thing to get me to buy it. 65780 is their comfort service tax line. This one comes from the 314. You guys should just drink real beer. Listen, I drink plenty of real beer, as uh, Jamie Rivers can attest. I've got plenty of the beer coming and consuming in my body as well. He's our craft beer expert, our 101 craft beer insider. Uh, my favorite beer is a cold one. Like, I'm, I'm good with whatever you got. I, I will consume the beer. Um, I would just also say that the seltzers are perfectly fine. I got no issue with them. Yeah, it, well, two good guys now have told me that the seltzers are okay. And, well, one good guy, one and a half. Okay? I was about to say, that's the um, best couple that you've ever yeah, given. Yeah, yeah, no. But honestly, you're, you know, you're like, okay. And I know you're a beer guy and you're kind of like, okay, I'm in. And then Joey to come in, like, he came in hot on it. Like, there's absolutely no question mark that Joey Vitale likes these seltzers. I also got to try the passion fruit now. The passion fruit? I got to try the passion fruit. I wonder which one should be my first one, or should I have a sip of each? Don't go mixed berry. As long as you don't go mixed berry, no, I think all the rest No, it's going to be black cherry, or it's going to be passion fruit, because that's what's been brought up to yeah. me here. So, maybe do I do do I do one, and then how do you cleanse your palate? You're supposed to have, like, a bread or a cracker, right? To, if you're doing wine, that's how you cleanse your palate. Yeah, I mean, do I don't know that it matters with, with the seltzer. I'm trying to be <laughs> professional here for the first time in our show's history. I'm trying to be professional here. That's J- uh, Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario back in the studio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We're live from the new ENB Granite studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. MLS. Whew, this could be a warning sign for the NBA. We'll tell you about it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Some pretty significant news coming out of college football right now. Texas A&M has been placed on a probation for a year. And Jimbo Fisher, the head coach at Texas A&M, got a six-month show cause. Now, if I understand this correctly, and it sounds like from this story, and it just came out moments ago, Jimbo Fisher will not be able to coach Texas A&M football for the rest of the season. It's starting now, and it will be through the end of the year. So Jimbo Fisher is essentially not in place at Texas A&M until January 1st of next year, based on this current ruling. So um, for a few extra details here, it sounds like they had some recruiting issues. And then at Texas A&M between early 2018 and 2019, they had players that were having having seven extra hours per week of activity uh, time compared to what the NCAA allows. So some big news coming out of college football in the SEC. So Texas what kind A&M? of activity are we talking here? Like football, Workouts, training? those sorts of things. So like yeah. mandatory workouts that the players should not have to do. Correct. So it sounds like basically an extra hour a day huh. that they were putting in that they weren't permitted well, to have. Let's not work them hard. What? I mean, they're student athletes. Free labor is good labor, (laughs) So huge news in the NCAA. I mean, we'll see if we even have a football season. If ever there was a year when you would want a show cause penalty, if you had to have one, this would probably be the year. But Jimbo Fisher, six-month show cause penalty, uh, Texas A&M football officially placed on probation. That's not what I wanted to talk about here, though, Jamie. What I did want to discuss is MLS because this could be a warning sign for other sports that are getting ready to come 
come back to work. The MLS is quarantining down in Orlando right now, and six, six of the FC Dallas players have already tested positive. Now, two of those were before they ever came to Orlando. So those are separate from the rest of this. But then the other four have tested positive since they got down to Orlando and started quarantining down there. Correct. Okay, so that's how that happened, right? Potentially. We don't know how it specifically was transmitted to these guys, but there's six guys now on the team that have all tested positive for COVID, and so they've all got a quarantine, and we're not sure if they're even going to be able to play in this tournament. Jamie, this is the fear that I would have if I'm the NBA or if I'm Major League Baseball or whatever. It's not about the individual positive test. It's not. that That's bad. We don't want any of those, but it's likely to happen. The problem becomes when it spreads throughout the team, mm-hmm. and you've got a team, let's say the Cardinals, right, because that's what we've got here locally. Yeah, but they're not quarantining. True, but they, they will go to the games together and all of that, right? And I, I would imagine they're going to probably spend time together in the hotels yeah. at the very well, minimum. I'm sure they'll have rules. Some, anyways. Sure. Let's say that it spreads between three or four of those guys. That's where it becomes an issue whenever you have a position group that is ravaged by this and those sorts of things. And that's what's happening right now down in uh, Orlando with FC Dallas. It makes me wonder, as far as the NBA's plan is concerned, if Adam Silver and the Players Union don't sit back and go, hey, maybe we bump back the games a week. We report at the same time, but we bump it back a week in order to get everybody there. That way there, if we were bringing infected players into the bubble and we have a little bit of a spread, I know it's not the two weeks or the 14 day that you wanted, but at least it would give you a week of a buffer on this one. And then each team in their bubble could be quarantined to their hotel or whatever their accommodations are going to be. Otherwise, I think this is going to be a big problem. I think it's going to be a massive problem. From what I understand, they are doing like 48 hours where they have to be basically in their rooms uh, individually. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be quarantining themselves, and they have a test both days on that. So okay. they'll have the initial test, and then the second day they'll have another test okay. to make sure they're negative. So they're kind of trying to go yeah, about what, what you're you talking about. What if you get a bunch about. of positives? And that's where I don't know. I don't know the answer now to that. Now you've got half a team to do training camp or even maybe less, depending on what's going on, and you have several teams in the same predicament. And and with the NBA, like you've got these eight games that you're playing first, right? And let's say that it's one of those teams that's kind of on the borderline. Let's say it's the Pelicans. And you've got Zion and five of his teammates that all test positive. And now they're out of the playoffs because during that eight-game stretch, none of them were available. Well, that's that's where you've got some serious issues. So I think right now, if I'm guessing, Adam Silver is just sitting in a room somewhere crossing his fingers saying, please, please, please don't have a bunch of guy that, guys that test positive right off the bat. That's when you've got these issues that arise immediately. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. You want to dive into the junk drawer coming up next, Jamie Rivers? Always do. Let's do it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We're live from the new E&B Granite Studios out at the Centene Community Ice Center. Let's dive into the junk drawer. Jamie Rivers, go ahead and get us started today. Okay, so, you know, your parents, your grandparents, all these older people used to, you know, tell you stories about, you know, uh, you know, don't swim after you eat. You could get cramps and you could drown and things like that. And one of them, and I'm not sure about you guys, but one of them for me was if there's a storm outside or lightning storm, you want to make sure that, you know, you shut the TV off and you don't want to be near some of the electrical outlets and things like that. And that's why I always thought that was crazy as a kid. I'm like, okay, come on, mom and dad, like enough's enough here. 
Now, have you ever heard of a girl named Jamie Bickford? No, I don't think okay, so. Maybe you've heard of her uh, her famous name, her celebrity name. She's a celebrity gamer, okay? And her celebrity gamer name is Karma. Now, she, you know, as crazy okay. as this is, so imagine that. Her gamer name is Karma. Well, she uh, was gaming and streaming live at the moment. Well, there was a storm going on in the Boston area. And apparently she was told to get off the game. And someone messaged her the thing, you know, you should probably shut your game down. Well, karma as it is, her house was hit by lightning. Oh, my God. And on her stream, you hear her scream and start to cry and disappear for a while. Short time later, she comes back on the stream, says, uh, apparently my house got hit or something. It went through my controller and shocked my hand. I'm completely fine. I'm just kind of, well, I got scared. And also my hand burns and hurts a little bit right now. <laughs> oh, thank she God she's fine. <laughs> she posted a picture after, uh, posted an update the following morning, hands healed up, and after being iced all last night, with very minor burns, controller is melted near USB <laughs> connection where I got flash banged. But I'm cur- I'm completely fine. Thanks for the outpouring of love. Da 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 da. So yeah, guys. Apparently now, being a gamer, to which we thought, okay, you know, apart from maybe your eyeballs falling out of your hazard head, pay. This is that hazard pay now. Absolutely, it should be. And how ironic is it that her name is Karma? I was like, wait a minute, this is a setup. So I dove deeper into it. And yes, it's true. There's actual video of the streaming. Unbelievable. She should be a hockey player, okay? And hear me out. She played through it. She got hit by lightning, essentially. Got back on the feed, got back on the controller, played through it, and even gave updates as she was going through it and the next morning with a melted controller. That's something that Ryan O'Reilly would do. (laughs) That is. Ryan O'Reilly would get hit by lightning and be like, I'm good. Just give me a couple of stitches, maybe a couple of gloves. I'm good to go. Polish up my helmet. Absolutely. Get rid of that burn mark. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with it. So, yeah. So that's uh, the world of gamers. If you're a gamer or your kids are gamers out there, if it starts to rain or thunderstorm, we get that a lot in St. Louis, you might want to put the controller down. So, Jamie, today we've been talking a lot about eating, a lot about what we're going to have at our cookouts this weekend. Well, Bryson DeChambeau, who is a PGA golfer, has certainly been doing a lot of eating in recent weeks. During this quarantine, he's taken the time to really remake his body. And the other day, people on a conference call with him asked him, hey, how did you add all of this weight? I mean, if you see these before and after pictures, it's insane. He looks like a different human being right now. And so he went ahead and answered that and talked about his new diet. Ferrario, if you've got this audio, let's go ahead and listen to what he's eating on a daily basis. In the mornings, I usually have four four eggs, five pieces of bacon, some toast, and two protein shakes, two organ uh, protein shakes. And then throughout the course of the day, I'll have you know a go macro bar here and there. I'll have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, I'll have another protein drink. I'll have at least two protein drinks on the golf course. <laughs> so every you know, six holes. So you go know, you know, six, 12, and then after the round, I'll have one. After that, I'm snacking when I'm practicing. After, go back to the hotel, eat a dinner, steak, potatoes, and, and I'll have two protein shakes with it there as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm consuming around 
I'd say six to seven of those ordained protein shakes a day now, where I used to be, you know, two or three. Jesus. Six to seven protein shakes every day, along with, you know, just your normal meals that most people mm-hmm. would be eating on a daily basis. Now, this weekend, Jamie, is the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. If I propose to you, you either have to do that meal plan that you just heard for a month, every day for a month, or participate in the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest to the fullest extent of whatever you're capable of for one day, what would you go with? Uh, I'm going the meal with plan for a month, hot dog eating contest for one day. For one day? Uh, I'll do the hot dog eating contest for one day. And the reason being is if I did that program for a month, I'd be as big as a pickup truck. And look, there was a time in my career where uh, when a, the, the change was made for me from being a offensive kind of hockey player to, well, you're going to be a stay-at-home kind of physical guy. Well, problem was I was only about 185 pounds at the time, maybe 190 with wet clothes on, okay? And so I went home that offseason and basically did the same thing. I mean, I was hammering down protein shakes and meals and pasta and, you know, working out hard and creatine was like literally eating creatine out of the jar and whatnot. So anyways, so that's a tough way to go about it. Now, I don't have any idea why Bryson DeChambeau is doing this. Like, is he want to play offensive line on the PGA? He's been amazing. That's the thing that's funny is like, it's not, I don't think it's a direct result of his body reshaping, but starting earlier this season, earlier this year, I mean, he's on a streak of, I think it's like six straight top 10 finishes that he's had. He's been really good this year. Um, I I don't know what he's trying to accomplish with this. We saw it with Tiger Woods when he got in like too good a shape, right? And he was working out too much and it can potentially be bad for you uh, as a golfer. But he's been fantastic this year. Maybe there is something to it. Yeah, look, I don't know. Uh, I know he's one of the most boring golfers to watch in the world, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, you know, if it's if he's being successful with it and this is what he wants, that's a lot of work, though. It's a lot of work to prepare throughout each and every day, and the prep for the next day is a pain in the you-know-what. So, look, uh, all the power to him, and if this is working, then you got to applaud him. But, man, I don't know how you can sustain that. Ferrario, which one would you choose, a month of this meal plan? or a day of the hot dog eating contest? Um, Probably the day of hot dog eating contest because you said it was to the best of my ability and my ability would probably be like a hot dog and then I'd... That'd be it. So... You'd have how many hot dogs? A hot dog. Yeah. What do, what do you mean? Well, like, I, there's no way I could possibly do a hot dog eating contest where you're just continuously shoving hot dogs in your face. Yeah, but what? you got to try, Alex, okay? That is you the best just, of my ability. No, that is not, okay? Oh, you're taking please. the easy way out. No that way. One. That is not you're, the easy way out. You're not competing unless you're puking. No, Let's just believe me, way. it would happen after hold, hold one on. wet hot dog bun. Hold, hold on, hold on. Ferrari, what's going on here? What What's going on here, buddy? What are you talking about? One hot One dog. One hot dog. That's it. Are you not an eater? Like, you, you don't eat food? Oh, I'm an eater. I'm just not a competitive eater. I mean, I, like, on a normal sitting, most people could right have, now. like, two <laughs> no, or three hot dogs No, I didn't tell you that you don't really know. want to. No, Ribs, I didn't tell you you don't know anything about competition like Keith Law did. I'm just being honest.
I'm, tell, uh, I'm telling you guys. Do you not like hot dogs? No, I like hot dogs, but just watching a hot dog eating contest makes me sick in general. So the fact that I'd be sitting there and when they say go, start dunking hot dogs into water to try and get as or many. Lemonade. Or, or lemonade. That's even nastier. Or beer. To try and get in as many into my mouth as possible. There's no way. One okay. in and I'm done. Okay. I, mean, you- I don't like the way you're headed with this. You're sucking the fun out of this for a second, Alex. <laughs> and so here's what we're going to do. We're going to up the ante a little bit. We have a couple seconds to do it. So there it's life or death. You and two other guys are on stage and you have hot dogs. It's a hot dog eating contest. Only the winner is allowed to continue to live on. The other guy's trap door down into a pit of flames. Jeez, this is violent. Well, I got to get you into this okay. somehow. All right, I'm into I got to bring the compete it's out the of It's the new TV show that's on Netflix. Yeah. Floor is I lava, mean, we've right? pitched the idea. So far, no response. Death to anyways, hot dog. All right, go for it. Yeah. So now, okay, based on that information... How many hot dogs are you trying to crash down here? Okay. Life or death situation yeah, here. Yeah, life or death. I think I could probably get to about eight, and then I'm calling it. Wow. That's it? Well, I hope How you many like you guys think you could? <laughs> I hope you like burning to death. How many of you guys think you could legitimately <laughs> eat in a hot dog eating contest? Have I not eaten all? Like, I'm preparing for this as if it is yeah. my Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I could probably get 10. Yeah. 10 or 12. I think that if we were actually training for it, yeah, I, I, yeah, but this okay, was. Here's I didn't a story know we were for training for this. Real quick story: Montreal, the Bell Center, best hot dogs in the NHL. And when oh, you're yeah. a, when you're a healthy scratch in the NHL, which I just happen to be, <laughs> you get to know you know the guys around the rink, and they help they hook you up with food and this and that and the other. Well, the guy in Montreal would hook us up with hot dogs, and I kid you not. Factual information. I put down 10 hot dogs one game, watching the boys out there sweating their butts off, like crushing hot dogs at the Montreal Bell That's Center. a different scenario, though. You're not trying to shove in many, as many in your face as possible. You're sitting there enjoying a hockey game. I could probably do about 10 hot dogs in a sitting. But if okay. we're going competitive food, I don't think I could, guys. If you had to, we got this from the text line, 65780. This comes from a 314. Three, if you had to enter a food eating contest, what food would you choose? Chicken wings. The 314 says toasted ravs for them. Ooh, that's a good one. I think I'd do chicken wings, though. I could probably do. With? I could probably do chicken wings competitively. Okay. What would you go with, Jamie? Uh, for something competitively? Food eating competition, what would you enter with? Uh, what would be your food of choice? If I was like something that's quick, that I enjoy a lot of, that I can put down pretty good, guilty pleasure, really good mozzarella sticks. Ooh. Mozzarella sticks, ranch dressing, and I'm probably going to be hospitalized because I'm going to take down so many of them. Unless you choke on the mozzarella cheese. Either way, I'm out of the competition, <laughs> right, Alex? That's true. you got to find the <laughs> loophole, Ribs. Toasted Ravs is a really good one. Yeah. That would be no. I think that'd be hard. That man. would think be about hard, that. especially the breading and they're though. crispy. Some yeah. on the corners. I know, but you can you could throw those down pretty good. Yeah, and you'd be I, tearing everything up on the way down <laughs> and on the way and out. on the way out. <laughs> I feel like I could do well with like sub sandwiches, like a turkey sandwich. Mm-hmm. We just go to town on as many of those as you possibly can. I could do it's pretty well bread, on that. Though. Yeah, so you're gonna well, fill yeah, up. Yeah, but real quick. everybody's everybody's in the same spot. 
Yeah, I understand. Like, we're all that, under the same. Like, you want to have a little bit of fun with it, right? Like that's, that's why they point. dunk the hot dogs is because the bread is so filling. That's Jamie Rivers. He's trying to be too realistic about a fake. Well, someone's got to bring some stuff. <laughs> That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Cardinals camp rapid fire. There are a lot of questions facing this team. We're going to get through a bunch of them coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So we'll get to some of these Cardinals camp rapid fire questions here in just a moment. But Rob Manfred has clarified his comments, Jamie Rivers. He wants you to know he wasn't saying all along it was only going to be 60 game from the owner side of things. He's given comments. This comes from our guy, Bobby Boogie. Bob Nightingale of USA Today, Rob Manfred said, my point was that no matter what happened with the union, the way things unfolded with the second spike, we would have ended up only having time for 60 games anyways. As time went on, it became clearer and clearer that the course of the virus was going to dictate how many games we could play. He continues, as it turns out, the reality was that there was only going to be time to play 60 games. If we had started an 82-game season on July 1st, we would have had people in Arizona and Florida the time the second spike hit, end quote. That comes from Rob Manfred, again, clarifying, or what he believes is clarifying his comments that the MLB was only ever going to play 60 games, as he told Dan Patrick yesterday. My reaction to this, Jamie. Okay. If he thinks that they weren't going to be able to play with this second spike, they were going to have to, let's say, postpone games in Arizona or Florida and therefore basically the league Mm -hmm. because they would be playing right now while the spike is taking place. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing right now? Because (laughs) these numbers aren't going down right now. They're going up. They're going in the opposite direction of what he's seemingly suggesting here. If they can't play while the numbers are going up around them, then everything is being dictated by what's taking place with the virus. And you're not actually creating any sort of bubble right now environment for your, your players. So then what are you doing? As the commissioner, I want to know your plan because this sounds like you're basically telling me, yeah, they're probably not going to be a season this year. There's not going to be a season this year because if the numbers are dictating what we're doing, that's a problem Mm -hmm. for Major League Baseball. This is another Rob Manfred mess. And that's what I'm calling that, like, daily Manfred mess. And so to go back to, you know, your, your statement as we came in out of the break was he's clarifying what he meant. But if I go back to the top of the show and I pull quotes, direct quotes from Rob Manfred on the Dan Patrick show, I'll do it again. Quote, the reality is we weren't going to play more than 60 games, no matter how the negotiations with the players went. End quote. He doesn't say because of the virus. He doesn't say anything else for timing. He simply puts it right there with a bow on it, and that's exactly what he meant. He screwed up. He messed up. He shouldn't have said that quote. He's trying to backpedal now. And to your point, BK, if COVID is what they're worried about right now and the spike and all that, then they shouldn't be playing at all. 
Shouldn't be playing out. Shouldn't even be beginning a training camp. Shouldn't be a uh, uh, summer camp, spring training 2.0, whatever you want to call it. Shouldn't be happening because the numbers are going up. So that would tell me, ooh, don't do it, right? Especially since we're not in a bubble or a quarantine environment. We're going to be all over the country. <laughs> and all over the country is kind of a big problem right now. So if that's factual, which we know it's not, Manfred, we're on to you. Come on, dude. Put the beers down. Back away from the microphones. He is just creating more of a mess out of this. He also says, quote, with everything being shut down, the reality is that we are going to be lucky if we get 60 games now, given the course of the virus. This is the guy that he got home and he made a mess in the kitchen. And to cover up the facts for his wife that he made a mess in the kitchen, he also then goes into the living room and makes a mess there. So that way she won't fire to the couch, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Okay. What what are you doing? So now you're telling your audience. Audience, your viewers, your fans, hey, don't look over there. Yeah, maybe I said that it was only going to be 60 games no matter what, but now I'm telling you it actually might not even be 60 games. Like, we're going to be lucky if we could even get this thing off without a hitch. You're telling your players that they should have less confidence about all of this. Like, if I'm a player reading these quotes today, I'm sitting back thinking to myself, am I safe? Are they actually doing what is right here? Are they are they putting every resource into this that they possibly could? Because it sounds like the commissioner, who, as we have now been told time and time and time again, works for the owners. Mm-hmm. He's seemingly suggesting, yeah, it's going to be unlikely we're going to play sixty games this year. So what's gonna what's the what's gonna take them off course? Is he anticipating huge numbers and COVID from these players? Is he anticipating things getting so bad outside of the sport that they just can't continue? I would like him to clarify this now again, and the more he talks, the worse it looks yeah, for him, which is say, not a good thing in general. BK, actually, I would like him to continue to talk because it makes for good content for us to to sit there and kind of poke fun at it, but the reality of this thing is, is that baseball, look, at baseball created a mess for themselves with these negotiations, and certainly the pandemic is concerning in a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. But baseball is just really spiraling right now because you've got this, you know, this commissioner who's, I don't know if he's outright lying or not, but if you went to a court of law and you took his direct quotes that are on record, okay, it's not like it was a phone call between Manfred and Tony Clark and Tony Clark says, you said this. And he says, no, I didn't. Right. No, this is like right out there that people can access wherever they want with their Twitter account or Facebook account. So he's got a real legal problem with the grievance there and because of that the owners are going to have to retaliate in some way so boy i can't wait for the end of next season i can't wait for the cba to go especially now if covid runs rampant through the players and the players feel like they weren't kept safe or the rules weren't good enough the major league baseball the owners are going to point the finger and say you guys didn't want a bubble you didn't want hub cities this is on you it's just going to get worse and worse and worse six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line this one comes from the 314 anybody who has an ounce of sense knows that playing 60 games is highly unlikely no matter how you dress it up don't allow the baseball commissioner to think for you i'm not allowing him to think for me but he is supposed to be the guy that is the leader of the sport he is supposed well, he to be has the guy. to think for us he's the guy in charge of this whole show right he's, like he's the one that's selling us yeah. on all of this this is his plan now it's the owner's plan but he is the face he's of the, face. the plan yeah. he's the face and now now, uh, despite his own best efforts to ruin this, the voice oh, of boy. the plan as well. And
And so far, from his perspective and what he has said to us, I have no reason to have any confidence whatsoever in this plan. Every time Adam Silver, well, before this last week or so, previously, every time Adam Silver spoke about the plan, I was convinced it was going to work for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Any time Rob Manfred speaks, I gain less and less confidence that anything Major League Baseball is going to try to do this season is going to work. And not only that, but I also have more concerns as to what things are going to be in the future. Because all of this, and we've said this all along, Jamie, is a backdrop for the 2021 CBA negotiations. And now that we have these comments, you know what's coming next? A grievance. Of course. So the grievance during the offseason is going to take center stage. And then after the grievance is, let's, let's say it takes a year for them to take that through. And it might take longer than that, frankly. But if it does, and let's say it's this time next year that it goes one way or the other, then right after that, you've got the CBA negotiations that they're going into. This is going to be at least 18 months of infighting between the players and the owners again, and it, it will just, there is no appetite for this from from the fans of Major League Baseball. And I feel for fans because they're the ones that ultimately get screwed in all of this. It's just getting messier by the day, and again, to go back to the text, I'm not letting Rob Manfred think for me. Trust me, this guy can barely get out of his own way. But he is the voice for the owners. He is the voice for Major League Baseball right now. Yes, Tony Clark's a part of it, and the players are too. But Rob Manford is the guy. So it doesn't matter what I think he's thinking for me or BK or you or anybody else who's listening out there. He's thinking for the sport. And if that's the, if that's the case, the sport is in jeopardy. 65780 is their comfort service tax line from the 314. I have my doubts that the players really want to play. I can't only blame the owners. Well, the players, we now know there's only four that have dropped out so far. They're reporting for training camps right now as yeah. we speak. And so as much as I did at one point have some questions on the players and how much they really wanted to play, they're, they're showing up more often than not. Meanwhile, the owners have a voice that is saying all of these things in public over the last 24 hours. And And so which side do I have more questions about right now? The owners. There's no question Mm -hmm. about that. For me, the side that I have more concern about moving forward is the owners and their ability to actually make all of this work. I said we would get to Cardinals camp rapid fire. Rob Manford got us pushed to the side of that. We're going to play a game of in or out coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's play a game of in or out. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out. Jamie, in or out? You want to break a world record with me? I'm all in, baby. I was watching KMOV last night, and a gentleman, very talented gentleman, Clearly. Broke a world record for the most wet sponges in the face in a minute. He had, I believe it was his son, was with like a bucket in front of him, Uh a bunch of water filled up in it, and sponges. And he would just consistently toss them at his dad in the face, and he would just knock them down with his face left and right, left and right, back and forth, all the way till he got to like 95 in one minute. I think we should give this a try. Are you in or are you out? I'm in. I just want to know the rules. Like, is it only one of us that can throw or? One of us throws and the other one catches. With their face. With their face. Sweet deal. 
All right. Yeah, I'm in. I don't so care. So no hands. You got your hands behind your back, right? Yeah. And you're like leaning forward. And let's say that I'm the tosser. I'm going to have a bucket in front of me. tosser. What? What? So I've got the bucket in front of me with the wet sponges yep. in the water. Okay. And I'm just tossing them at your face, left and right. Is there a distance? A legal right distance? Here. I'm, I'm assuming we got to get in touch with the Guinness Book of World Records, and okay. they'll probably let us know the more specific details. That's all I've got right now. Okay. Yeah, Ferrario, I, you in? Hell yeah, I'm in. Anytime I have the chance to break a world record. When I was little, I used to want to do that all the time. I think we should make this a, maybe it's a monthly thing. Try a different rule. A record. different record. Wow. We go through the Guinness Book of World Records. Okay. And we try to find one record every month that we on the show decide that we're going to break. You know, I right. tried to clothespin one when I was in high school. Have you ever seen the one where the guy has, I don't remember what the number is, but he has a couple hundred like clothespins on his face. Ooh. Tried that one. I got like 50 and then I lost feeling and couldn't do it Ooh. anymore. You you did what? So those those clothespins. clamps. No. What? How did, I know this, how did I know that what? this was going to go the wrong way? Sorry, I, you've miss, never, I misheard you. You've never seen the... Uh, <laughs> there's a guy who broke the world record of the amount of, like, those wooden old-school clothespins. Oh, yeah, pins. yeah, yeah, yeah. He put a certain amount of them on his face. I don't know the exact number, but I think it was above 100, and he would put them everywhere on his face. I and think I, you'd need a bigger face. Yeah, and I, see, that was my problem. I got to 50, and I lost, I lost space. Of all the records, Ferrario, of all the records, you decided to go with the one where you put a as many clothespins on your face as humanly possible. Yeah, because yeah. that one felt like I could do it at the time. Might huh. have been adult beverages involved with it, too. I say this with all all due respect. You might have been a little bit of an idiot at the time. You are now, one pathetic loser. You're not anymore, Ferrario. You're a very smart individual, and that's why I'm so surprised well, by I, this. That was high school, guys. Come on now. Everyone's an idiot in high school at some point, right? That's a good point by you. Very good point. So I didn't say it was last year. No, I mean, it <laughs> yeah, could have okay. been. It might have been last year. It could have been last year. Uh, Make sure my wife's not listening to don't post the picture of it, but There no. you go. I'm all in, guys. Honestly, yeah. let's do this. Let's, let's break find a record. some random world records and let's get after it. I love 95 it. sponges. So this is a kid who threw them? Yeah, it, it looked like it was. He was like probably 16, 15, okay. 16, something like I'm that. I'm thinking that we have some athletic guys here on our show that I can't imagine how we couldn't hit at least 96 sponges off the other guy's face. So I, I think we've got this. I just yeah. looked up uh, an article of 17 world records that you could break tomorrow. Here's a couple. Let's see what you guys think. Okay. Most okay. CDs balanced on one finger, which is at 50? Nope. Uh, yeah, I could do that one. Most t-shirts put on in one minute, 31. No chance. No Ooh, chance. You've got a slender build, though. Yeah, no chance. We could 31 find, shirts in a minute? That give, would be easy. Give you me could like, do that. Yeah. To put them on? I yeah. think we, we could do, do it, BK. Individually. Yeah, I think yeah, we could yeah. do it, BK. I think you could do it. You start off with small t-shirts, and then you get to the triple XL so that every shirt that goes on next is actually easier to put on. How about this one? Most sticky notes on the face in one minute, which is 58, but they may not be attached to the eyelids. That one so seems do they tough. have to be specifically placed on yeah. your face, though? They can't Must be on be top of each other, right? by the individual themselves on different portions of your face. That's a yeah. sticky note per second. I don't know. I think you'd slow down after a while looking for open real estate. I don't like that one. Ribs, you know about this one. We've got a lot one. of real estate on our noses. That's a good point. Jamie, we get 58 but, on our yeah. noses. Ribs, you know about this one. Most balls held in one hand. 
This is true. Now, myself, uh, only got room for a couple. But that being said. Oh, sorry. Tennis balls. Tennis balls, oh, guys. Tennis balls. 26 okay. of them. 26 in one hand? In one hand. 26 yeah, of them. Yeah, I got some pretty, That's impressive. pretty good mitts, but I don't think we can get 26 in there. Most leapfrog jumps in 30 seconds by a team of two, which is 32. We can attempt What's that one. What's that record? 32 leapfrog jumps <laughs> in 30 seconds. Oh, in 30 seconds. Yeah, it's 30 seconds. Oh, my God. This okay. one I want to try, guys. Most, I don't, we've got to give that a try. I don't know if I now, trust we'll BK fail. in a compromised position. <laughs> yeah, come on like now. That. I don't know if I want BK leapfrogging me. Oh, we can do that <laughs> one. Putting we yourself, can do that down the hall at Hubbard. <laughs> we can do right here at Centene. You're putting yourself at risk on that one. Here's the last one I like. Most saltine crackers eaten in one. One minute, nope. 20 of them. Have you ever tried oh, to do that? I have. Okay, can you dip them in water? Nope. Saltine okay. crackers. I think I could take that down. I think I could take that have down. Have you ever tried the challenge where you do the saltine crackers in your mouth? Yeah, that and the cinnamon challenge I've yeah, tried. Yeah, but this is eating them, right? Yeah, yeah, but so the problem is your mouth gets so dry you yeah. can't crunch them anymore. Yeah. So you're not allowed any water no intakes? Nope. Only, only saltine crackers. Yeah. Wow. The cinnamon wow. challenge is a tough one too, boys. Yeah, no thanks. You know how I feel about cinnamon. No, I don't actually. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like cinnamon. I told you guys the other day with the oh, yeah, that's right. go. The apple, apple cinnamon, cinnamon muffin. Like, can you imagine? That's right. No, I'm out. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line from the 314. BK's already in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> It's in there for the most bad takes in a year, and we're only three months into this damn show. Wow. Congrats, uh, buddy. That was pretty good. Thanks, Thanks guys. We also have this one from the 314. We've got a name for the bit. Call it uh, World Record Wednesday on Ribs and BK. Ooh, there we go. I kind of like it. We also have somebody from the 281 that says, I'm a Guinness World Record holder as one of the one of 651 people riding Indian motorcycles in a continuous parade. Whoa. Interesting. There's some weird ones in there. I remember growing <laughs> up where uh, you go to the Scholastic Book Fair, right? And they've got everything you could possibly want there. And the only thing any of us wanted was the annual Guinness Book of World Records. You'd look at it one night and then you'd never look at it again. That's but there's a great some strange piece. stuff in That's there. That's a great book for the pooper, by the way. <laughs> you get that in there, you get that in the bathroom, and there's no way. You're perusing that thing for months. You're going to overstay your poop by at least five minutes each time. By the way, I looked up the clothes pegs one. 51 of them clipped to a man's face in a minute. 51? 51 wow. in 60 seconds. See, that's all. Like I said, that, that pace of almost a clip per second, that's a lot. See, I feel like our our wet sponge one is I'm a good one to I'm confident the wet with. sponge. I'm telling you, I wonder if you could grab, like, multiple sponges at the same time. I think you got to go time. one at a time. Okay. I think See, it's one at a time. See, this is where the rules come in. Yeah. Because like, I might just take the bucket of sponges and throw it at your face. We need to. <laughs> See, that's the problem. All. Nobody's going to take this seriously. We're going to just find a way to sabotage the other person. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, no. Oh, we're this... competitive enough Are that I feel like me? we're going to take this very seriously. Yeah, I will be training. Like, I'm going to go buy I'm gonna go buy the regulation sponges, and I'm going to start warming up. I'm really looking forward to this one. I think we try it next week. All right. Next week at the station after one of our shows, maybe it is World Record Wednesday. Next Wednesday, a week from yesterday, we give this a shot. Oh, baby. We need the bucket. Yep. Like a storage Probably container. like a big Rubbermaid tub, right? With 
Well, he was using the storage container, you know, the big tubs that you use. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The big Rubbermaid moving container. So literally exactly what you said. Yeah. Yes, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> Glad we got you to this a, decision. <laughs> put a bunch of water in there, and we got to buy a lot. Now, do the sponges, sponges have to be in the water, or do you dunk them, then throw them? They were in the water them? whenever he threw See, them. See, I think so that would be water. harder, though. You grab them and toss them, and you just go and go and okay. go and he go. He went on. with underhand toss, right? Yep, underhand toss is the way that he was okay. doing it. All right. I think we got this. This might be a 4th of July thing that happens over the weekend. I might test run this with my boys. I I love it. I love it. Yeah. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Eric Ingalls had a really interesting report yesterday that 75% of NHL players weren't totally in on playing in this bubble city right now. We're going to ask him about that and where players stand today when he joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We are broadcasting live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Happy to be joined by Eric Ingles. He is an NHL insider for Sportsnet up in Canada. He is on Twitter, at Eric Ingles. And we, of course, talked yesterday about Eric's report that 75%, if he had to guess, of the players that he's talked with, I have some serious questions about the NHL's return to play plan. Eric, first of all, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. After having about 24 hours, 48 hours or so on that report, where do you think things stand right now with players and their uh, resistance to go play these games? Yeah, well, before I answer that question, I just want to stipulate that that was a player's estimation and probably a player's projection to a certain degree based on his own feelings of the return to play model and his unenthusiasm, I should say, in in returning to play, A, in giving up his summer, uh, B, potentially giving up next summer, which we know will be the case uh, if if the Stanley Cup gets awarded in July and the season starts in January, and uh, all the different CBA mechanisms uh, that are involved in this, as well as the risks of injury uh, to catching COVID. Um, I think, you know, what what we learned and what I learned specifically in speaking to a number of players um, over a couple of days, and I should say, you know, when I put this out 48 hours ago, was that there are more players than we would have assumed that are not exactly keen on returning to play, I would put it that way, and B, that, you know, more than that would publicly acknowledge about how they actually feel versus what they'll actually do and signing off on the return to play model and, and doing exactly that, going back and playing. Now, Eric, well, look, we're seeing in baseball and in basketball, certain guys are opting out uh, of coming back to play or even starting the season with baseball. Do you see a scenario where we start hearing about some names of NHLers that are considering just opting out? And if they do so, what do we know about the repercussions of that contractually with teams or obligations with team are they going to have the same path as major league baseball or basketball where that's fine the league's okay with it you know you can stay at home and there's no penalty what are we looking at if we have this uh, scenario in the nhl 
Yeah, I mean, until we have the confirmed details in front of us, I'm, I'm hesitating to, to answer with any kind of certainty, but from my understanding and from what, you know, we had, we had a call in Montreal with Canadians coach Claude Julien today who said the players would be allowed to opt in or out of this agreement or will have to opt in or out of this agreement. So, you know, I'm assuming that there will be no repercussions for repercussions for players that decide that they don't want to play after they've signed off on returning to play. Um, I think that's normal. I think it's natural. I, I would hope that's the course of action that's going to move forward here. Um, I know that you know, you look specifically at this model, the, the players get paid during the regular season. Uh, in the playoffs, there will be some bonus structures put in there, but, you know, their salaries have already been paid. So, uh, you know, it's not like anybody's going to be financially docked if they say, hey, I'm not comfortable, I don't I don't feel safe uh, doing this, or I have a pre-existing condition that would expose me a little further than a, a, to risk that I'm unwilling to take. Um, logically, I don't think they'll be subject to any penalty for that. Um, that seems to be the impression that the coach, Claude Julien, was under and that most of the players are under and until we have that fine print in front of us uh, I don't want to say that's 100% the case but I'm pretty sure it is. Alright Eric going back to the players here for a second and, and some of their concerns uh, and, and we know it's been 48 hours and, and you've gotten this out there in the, the Twitter world which is you know uh, very fast to spread things out there but as you were talking to these players or player or, or whatever people you've discussed this with was the decision all already made that Vegas would not be a hub city and the reason I ask that is I'm wondering if the confidence of the players would grow a little bit knowing that Edmonton will be one of the hub cities and Edmonton's COVID numbers have been very good uh, compared to other cities. Uh, Toronto's had some some blow-ups and flare-ups but apparently they're putting together a a good area that could be a good bubble in quarantine for the hockey players. Uh, So based on that, was it before or after after the Vegas announcement. Yeah, it was before, um, and I'm sure it was a factor in the, in the concerns players were expressing, and I should clarify, you know, I spoke to players from eight different teams um, in the lead-up to putting out those tweets, and, and naturally, you know, they're not representative of every single player in the league, but I think, you know, Jamie can certainly speak to this, that, you know, this is a tight-knit league, and it's only become tighter since he's, since he's uh, graduated from playing there, uh, if only for the fact that social media is kind of connected these guys in a way that they've never been connected before so you know people talk and they express these concerns and they share them and and that's how stuff like this gets around and if they were saying these things to me I'd imagine they were saying them to many people um, that were willing to listen and at least grant them kind of anonymity if they decided to go with that stuff which I did Um, I think you know the concerns are normal natural concerns I think a lot of them will be alleviated um, as as the Players, the general playing um, membership becomes that much more aware of what the plans are to keep them safe. A, what the concessions are on the CBA side, um, and and you know what everything involved is here. For for the most part, you know the information was pretty tightly sealed and not not necessarily kept away from the players uh, in a malicious kind of you know way or or with with that type of intent. Um, just you know because when you're negotiating so many things at once the last thing you want to do is have 
um, rumors and conjecture start dominating the airwaves and, and get out there to the general public. And, you know, it's, they've been discussing several things, but some of those things weren't necessarily tabled. And then all of a sudden it gets out to the wider membership and it gets out to the media. And then you have the people that are trying to make these decisions, fighting the narrative that gets placed in the media um, versus focusing on what they need to focus on, which is trying to create a plan to bring the NHL games back to the people in a safe way. Um, so, so you know, I think most of the concerns really emanated from the lack of information people had. And, and you know, obviously, where, from where they were playing to how they're going to be once they're finally in that bubble, um, they're all legitimate concerns. We're talking with Eric Ingles. He's an NHL insider for Sportsnet up in Canada. You can follow him on Twitter at his name, Eric Ingles, E-N-G-E-L-S. Eric, one thing that we've talked a lot about is even before they get to these hub cities, what the players are going to be doing while they're in their actual home cities. So for the Blues being here in St. Louis during the Phase 3 training camp, and it sounds like the NHL is not going to require a quarantine or a bubble of any kind while they're in these cities. How much concern do you hear, whether it be from players or people around the league, about how difficult this is going to be to keep the numbers down of players that get infected while they're just in their home cities? Yeah, I think I think they're well aware that it's going to be a challenge and to the point where a couple of them have said stuff to the effect of like, okay, we're going back, uh, but none of us are really sure if this will actually get pulled off and played. Um, and I, I just think that's all normal, you know, like they're thinking about it logically just the way you or I would. Um, I know that players that are returning ahead of camp, um, if they're flying commercial, have to quarantine for seven days. And within those seven days of being home, they will be tested multiple times. Um, A, upon arrival to their playing city, uh, and B, you know, multiple times after that between the time that they've landed to the time that they can finally join their teammates at the rink. So I think, you know, you've seen uh, a lot of players returning back to their playing cities and most of them making plans to do so as we near uh, a vote for the players on, on a return to play bottle and the, the extension of the CBA and all that stuff. And um, yeah, I think there's a I think there's natural concern amongst at least a few of them that, you know, there's only so much that the NHL and the teams and everybody else could do to control uh, the outbreak of this virus and the possibility that they could try, they could get started and, and end up in the same situation where they have to pause because it just it just went beyond their control. You know, the thing that I keep thinking about, guys, and I'm sure it's on your mind too, whether it's hockey or any other sport, is even if the league and the players have done everything possible to ensure that they're doing this in the safest manner, that all the controls have been in place and that they'll be followed to the letter by 100% of the population here involved in this situation, they can't control everybody else. You know, how much control can they exercise over the people that will be cleaning their hotel rooms or the people that will be serving them meals or the people that will be uh, in charge of cleaning up after them? All those different things. Um, they, they stand in the way of this safely being executed. All that said, we've seen some successful returns for other leagues in Europe, like the Bundesliga and soccer. And, you know, as, as long as uh, they went into those bubbles, um, testing, you know, negative and everybody was clean, they seem to have pulled it off. So there's hope to be found in that. 
Yeah, I agree on that one, Eric. And, you know, you bring up uh, the CBA. And I think that anybody in the hockey world who's interested in everything that's going on, the CBA has obviously been a huge pain in the butt for the NHL over the last 15 to 20 years. And maybe even longer for that point as I look back at even 94 for that matter. But how important is it for the NHL right now to get a CBA done to where Major League Baseball, let's be honest, they have really kind of messed things up over in their sport right now. So for Gary Bettman and and the Players Association, how important is it for the CBA to get done and get handled right? And then maybe what are some of the changes that we can expect in that CBA? Well, you, you know what? There's, there's two parts to that. The first is that the history that you mentioned there where we've had a lot of labor strife between the players and the owners and a lot of dissatisfaction over the years. The very idea that they'd have a window to extend the CBA and negotiate some things into it um, that are not, you know, tearing them apart but bringing them closer together, it's a tremendous opportunity um, that they realized was there and that they weren't that far apart in terms of what they want uh, to be able to hammer that out and bring that forward as part of this return to play model. And I think that's a tremendous opportunity from a marketing perspective, from a business perspective as uh, the U.S. television contract becomes uh, available to have that hammered down and, and have that kind of stability, especially at a time where there's so much uncertainty and instability in the world from a business perspective is huge for them. Um, on the other end of it, you know, we talk a lot about the players' concerns and, and what their concerns might be from a CBA perspective is the fact that they haven't had access to all the knowledge of what will necessarily go into that and that it's going to be put uh, you know at their feet at a certain point and that you know they'll have to make a quick decision and the pressure will be on them to ensure that all this work uh, was not for for nothing so it's a tough position to be in I think that's where some of the frustration emanated from with some of the players that I spoke to expressed who expressed concerns about coming back as far as what's in the actual document you know Elliot Friedman did a pretty good job of breaking down uh, some of the different elements from escrow being capped, uh, you know, around 20% uh, to salary deferments. Um, the details of minutia that I think might be a little too boring for me to go over for your <laughs> listeners, but uh, the type of stuff that if you, you care to read it, there's a good tweet thread from Elliot Friedman out of sports there. How do you expect the Olympics to play into the next CBA? Is that something that players are particularly interested in making sure is, is a part of this? It is a massive carrot uh, for the for for the NHL players, and you know I think everybody looks at it in one respect and says, okay, you know, like it's fifty players, and of course, fifty sixty guys who def- definitely want to you know have that dream come true of playing for their country, or you know, however many people it is. Six, I'm, I think I'm botching the numbers. It's a good thing I'm not a matchman. Math <laughs> it's okay, we don't do uh, numbers probably, on our show. Yeah, you know, probably over a hundred players, I guess, would involve be involved in the in going to the Olympics and you know they've they've watched the players uh, that they've admired their whole lives have that opportunity to play for their country at the very height uh, of the sport and, and have that exposure um, it's great for the game it's great for growing the game I think everybody looks narrowly at those specific guys that are affected by that decision I look at the guys that are not going uh, and it's the biggest carrot for them because if you really put the whole picture together 
they're going to have to return to play this summer, taking away summertime, okay? They're going to have a small break and a limited break and come back in January to jam into a schedule uh, that they're planning on having 82 games played. So that means get rid of the bye week, uh, get rid of, you know, or, or create a circumstance where you're playing that many more back-to-back games, uh, and then you're playing next July. I think the, the rest of the membership that wouldn't participate in the Olympics would have huge incentive uh, to see NHLers back in the Olympics just so they could have that time off. Uh, a 14-day break come 2022 would be very welcome for players that are in the circumstances that I just described. So I think that's a, a huge part of it. The one thing that I think will be debated quite a bit between now and then is that, yes, we all want to see NHL players back in the Olympics. The fact that the 2022 games are being held in China um, is something that I think is going to inspire a great amount of debate. Eric, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate you coming on so quickly, especially after some of your tweets went big time out there, which was great news. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best here. And, and once again, thank you so much. All the best, guys. Stay safe and enjoy the time with your families. Absolutely. Same to you. Happy Fourth of July. That is Eric Engels joining us here on Ribs and BK He's on Canadian. 101 ESPN. I know. What's wrong I, with you? The second that I said it, I happy was like, Fourth of July. That's like me saying Happy Seventeenth of February. Happy Canada Day. I know. I know. I messed hey, up. Hey, BK. Happy Thursday to you. Thanks, See how Andy. much sense that makes? It makes a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. It's basically our Friday. You are one pathetic loser. Happy Fourth of didn't you? July. He probably appreciated the fact that I said it to him. No, he probably didn't. He probably thought to himself, why is Rivers letting that happen? He knows the 1st of July is the big day. Well, we didn't have him on for the first. We had him on for the second. If he had responded quicker to you, maybe we would have had him on for the first, and we would have Fourth of July. been able to wish him a happy Canadian. My gosh. It's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon <laughs> Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. He's Jamie Rivers. He's a former NHL superstar. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK live from the new E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. Love this text coming in from the 618 on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. I can just picture what going into break was like for BK. He took his headphones off. He set them down in disgust. He put his hands on his face, shaking his head and said, I am not the best. Okay. And with that, we welcome in Anthony Salter from the fast lane across things over. Yeah, Stalt, welcome here to uh, our show here on beautiful Thursday, which I think is storming outside, by the way. But um, our buddy, BK, all right, our boy here, we have Eric Engels, who is a fantastic guest, by the way. Great information, good energy. We know how that is. Uh-huh. So we're about to... Just... A regular old Keith Law, if yeah, you will. No, no, he's not even close. <laughs> Keith Law can't even shine Eric Engel's shoes, okay? Let's just leave wow. it at that. So yes. now we're, we're saying thank you. Very appreciative of the great information and everything he's provided from Canada, who is apparently going to have both hub cities in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And BK goes, happy fourth, Eric. <laughs> well, okay, so let me, let me ask you this, happy Jamie. Happy fourth, Eric. Let me ask you this. Is it is that better or worse than saying that Keith Law 
uh, is from ESPN.com. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. That oh, was God. I think Actually, you know what? No, 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 no. That was fantastic that he did that to Keith Law. All things considered now, at the end of all this, knowing what I know right now, Stoltz, I wish he would have said, like, something else, like New York Times, and just absolutely... <laughs> the funny thing is, the I New read Keith Law. Like, I really like reading Keith Law, and I know he works well, for the Athletic. Paper. And I just, I think I had a stroke whenever I put down on the sheet of paper <laughs> that he writes for ESPN.com still, and he has it written there for, like, a year. He's had a couple this week, Stoltz. What did we have? Uh, well, you didn't do it on the air, but with Erica Weston, who's a fantastic guest. Emily Weston was what I put on the record. <laughs> Emily Weston. Rusty Wallace. <laughs> Rusty yeah. Wallace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talking oh, to Rusty Wallace. We're like, no, Kenny Wallace. Pat McAfee. Pat who is McAfee. Actually Pat McAfee. Yeah. He's, he's had a, a couple here. Yep. I, look, PK, I've been there a lot. I've been calling. Buster Olney. Yeah. I've been, I've been calling Olney. Buster Olney. Only. Only? Yeah. I said only. Um, and, and Rob Manfred. I've been calling Manford. That's yep. all right, guys. You'll never uh, you'll never attribute to what I did with Lou Brock and Bob Gibson. You've told oh, you've said that story on air, and I felt I felt for the young yeah. Alex Ferrario in that, that was, in that instance. It was a moment where I debated: should I just you know go be a UPS driver for the rest of my life? Just it's a good job. It it's a great job, but yeah. you don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to mess up names. <laughs> Drop off packages. Yeah, perfect. Well, Never actually, day. actually messing up names could be very very problematic. That's true, <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but but you but you also have to mess up the addresses and I don't know if I could go two for two on those mess ups. That's a good point. Okay, Stoltz, we talked about how uh, we're going to attempt something here on Rivs and BK, and I, I want to get your opinion on it because, you know, you seem to be the voice of reason. Well, maybe not. But <laughs> anyways, uh, we're going to be trying to do World Record Wednesday, and BK's first challenge for us, and we've got about a week to train for it, and I will be training for it, is uh, to, sh- to throw 95 wet sponges off of the other other guy's face in a minute do you think we can do it no (laughs) no 95 is a lot you think yeah it's just bap 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 we're good i think we're no no i i think you'll probably get to like like 66 or something. So what happens if you miss the face? Then is it negated? Oh, Correct. Yeah, yeah you got to hit count. it in the face. Doesn't yeah. count. It, it doesn't matter. It. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. This is this is a, a record that will not fall. I, I like the doubt, it though, guys. It literally just fell this week, Stalser. What was what was it previously? I don't know, but it did. <laughs> doesn't matter. Probably previously nothing because nobody's less that than 95. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think I. Now, I mean, okay. the previous record was four because nobody really wanted to touch <laughs> it. Was one. Yeah. <laughs> That's in play. Yeah, for sure. Now the follow up to this is, and BK and I have not discussed this, and we haven't had our agents talk to each other in representation on this. But who's going to be the guy throwing, and who's going to be the guy you know sacrificing his face in this one? Who do you think should do what job, Stoltz? Uh I got to go, Jamie, with you since you uh, you taking it in the face uh, because let's be honest what you, she said. you've had damage to your face before I mean you've you've absorbed fists before you absorbed pucks before I, I think I think the sponges will the sponges will be uh, afraid of your face <laughs> okay fair enough and I don't disagree but do we trust BK's ability now to throw That's the sponges what, see, I mean I'm, they look a little it's heavy it's underhand toss so they I'm look looking a this little up heavy. Yeah, by how, the way <laughs> 
But what's, was, what's the distance here? It can't be that that far. So away. here, Jamie, can you see this? It's it's not far. It's a few feet away. It's it looks like it's about four feet away. Oh, it'll be fun. You think? Yeah. He might blow a shoulder out though. It's in play. Now I will say this. This seems like it's a St. Louis record because now it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. I was like, wait a minute, we don't deal with local records. <laughs> so Stalter, you asked what the previous record was? Yeah. On April thirtieth, a man by the name of David Rush took forty three hits to the face with a wet sponge. That was the Guinness Book of World Records previously. That's what shattered. Now it's at ninety two. Ninety two was the new record. So this has been broken twice in the last three months. I think we're the next ones to do it. Uh, 66. That's that's what uh, you guys are going to hit. Yeah, 66. No we're, we're definitely going two sponges per second. Guys, I like I the doubt, though. The I'll doubt's take the good. under. I'll take the under. Stoltz. You still haven't paid up for the last time you were wrong. What's the, what, did, what haven't I paid up on? You know that time. <laughs> the college football, <laughs> right? I actually, I actually do. I, All right, good point. Stoltz, what's coming up on the fast lane, my uh, man? Well, BT crashed the Riz event yesterday, so we're going we're gonna to lead off with that. Plenty of Did cards, plenty of blues. Yeah, BT was a all-star yesterday. So we're getting a lot of that, and uh, we'll have just, just a lot of fun. A little, little Fourth of July. Okay. <laughs> okay, Jamie. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, who did, it, who did an unbelievable job this week holding things down from the studio, producing us while we were out here at the uh, Centene Community Ice Center. I'm Brandon Kylie. A very happy 4th of July to you and your families. We'll be back on Monday. Tomorrow, it'll be Alex Ferrario hosting this bad boy. Coming up next is the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.